it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right, what's going on? Drive time on a Tuesday afternoon. We're looking at about five minutes past the hour of two o'clock. It is a mild day. It's warm again. It's a little bit overcast. We might get some rain later on, maybe some snow this weekend. But as it is... Every single day, it's good to have you along for the ride. Spencer Jackets behind the mic. That's Porter Larson behind the glass on this Tuesday afternoon of Super Bowl week. The Super Bowl media extravaganza started last night. And so now we're leaning into manufactured storylines, as we are wont to do during Super Bowl week before we can actually get to the game. Are the Chiefs the new villains of the NFL? Pat Mahomes was asked that directly. Is this Andy Reid's best coaching job of his career? Things like that. Radio host this morning, uh, Diana, uh, I believe it's Diana Russini from The Athletic reporting that Mike Vrabel did not get a coaching job because he's big and strong. That's a narrative today. Uh, The stature of the man, apparently intimidating NFL general managers. I obviously can't cooperate any of it. I just kind of always get a kick out of the business this week of simply just reaching for everything you can to capitalize on the attention on media during Super Bowl week. There's a lot of irony that uh, the Super Bowl is being held in Las Vegas. We're going to talk about it um, as a result of some certain uh, shifts in the public paradigm when it comes to Las Vegas and gambling and such. It's not a new topic, but it's kind of top of mind right now. The ESPN Daily Podcast, which, you know, depending on the topic and depending on the host, it's worth your listen on Friday of last week. And Clinton hate, Clinton uh, Yates is hosting it now, so I listen to it a little bit more. I just I'm not a Pablo Torre guy; it drives me nuts. Uh, but Super Bowl in Sin City is the episode. It was released last Friday, and it's really interesting. If you uh, have some time to dig into it, listen to our show first. You can listen to that uh, starting at about six o'clock. But uh, we're going to talk about the storyline about you know the Super Bowl being in Las Vegas, what it means, uh, what the future of sports uh, you know in that city uh, looks like with the Major League Baseball situation on the horizon, potentially the NBA. It's no secret that LeBron James behind the scenes is already planting seeds to be the owner of a team in Las Vegas when the NBA decides to expand. Nobody knows when that's going to be, but we'll get into it on the show today. Of course, we will talk about the actual game uh, coming up as the line continues to stay pretty steady with San Fran as a 2.5 point favorite. Uh, we'll give you our picks on Friday before we say good uh, goodbye and bid you a good weekend. So we'll get to that coming up uh, in just uh, in just a little bit. But we'll talk some Super Bowl. We'll talk some pro football, the storylines you guys want to know about leading up to the big game. And, yes, we will talk about Taylor Swift because we are comfortable and confident and not insecure and unnecessarily dramatic. Well, the second part, sometimes I'm certainly unnecessarily dramatic. I Self-awareness, 
reporter, it's important. And I think most of my friends or my family would tell you that at times Spence can be a little overboard. And I know that about myself and I'm work. I'm a work in progress, Porter. Just to be clear. Yeah, yeah. I am also very, very often unnecessarily dramatic. Okay. But it's the self-awareness uh, that, we're, that we're trying to get to here. Progress is not linear. Life is not a straight line. It's step by step. So we're going to get to uh, get to all the pro uh, pro football storylines. The Jet, we have some good basketball tonight. So pump for tonight. Uh, we get a double dip on Turner. We get Dallas and Brooklyn. Then we get Milwaukee and Phoenix. The Jazz are hosting Oklahoma City. If you have not seen OKC play, certainly go down to watch the Jazz. We all love the Jazz. We want the Jazz to win. OKC is worth the price of admission. That's a well-coached team that plays really hard, and they play really well. And they're legitimate. I mean, they're 35 and 15. So we have some pro basketball to get to tonight. The Knicks are back in action against the Grizzlies uh, as the uh, Knicks kind of have captured the imagination of pro basketball fans across the landscape of the country. Of course, the latest on the trade deadline. Uh, and as of right now, there's not a lot, not going to lie. Uh, texting with a couple of people around the league actually about this last night while I was watching some games, just kind of kicking the tires with some people. And it seems like it's pretty quiet. Now, it's always funny to cover a trade deadline because it's very quiet until it very much is not. That could change at a moment's notice. You know, we always talk about these proposed deals. And then ultimately, the way the business works now, one of two guys get it. It's just the ecosystem. ecosystem. It's either Woj or Shams. And then, boom, the, the bomb drops. And then we analyze it. So there are rumors, right, surrounding the Jazz. Um, I was told yesterday by somebody who I would just say would know better than I would. That's how I'll categorize that that the, the uh, DeJounte Murray report from Yahoo Sports was not accurate, that the Jazz did not make that move, or excuse me, did not make that offer for DeJounte. Um, I can't, again, I, I don't know. The intent that that signals, I do think topically is pretty interesting as to whether or not Danny and Justin are actually looking to add to the group. So we'll get to some pro basketball storylines. We'll get you ready for Jazz OKC tonight. Brigham Young and their Big 12 experience continues on the road uh, at Oklahoma tonight. So we have some college basketball as well. Utah State is hosting Nevada. The Utes will be back in action coming up on Thursday against Arizona. And then the Utah women, it's their turn on Friday at the Huntsman Center against Oregon State. Two really good teams in the top 20. So we got that for you. We've got a couple of uh, tickets for the Utah women's basketball game against Oregon. Uh, so not the one on Friday, but Oregon will be in town a couple of days after that. We'll give those away coming up. Uh, just around 4 o'clock, in addition to a $25 gift card uh, to Via 313 Pizza. So tickets and pizza. So that's a good Tuesday for somebody. So stay tuned for that coming up at about 4 o'clock. So a lot to get to on the program today. Uh, great to have you guys with us. Hope you're off to a great start to your work week and have a great Tuesday afternoon. We'll start things off today with Matt Collar, who's an author and a radio host for SiriusXM, covers the NFL so we'll start things off with pro football today. We'll talk Super Bowl, some of the storylines surrounding. Uh, it was announced earlier that the details for Jim Harbaugh's contract are now available. It's a five-year deal and eight NFL openings and no home for Bill Belichick and no home for Mike Vrabel. I cannot cooperate the report that general managers did not want to hire make Mike Vrabel because he's a big, strong guy. I think that's the weirdest manufactured narrative that I've heard so far today. And it's my favorite thing is Super Bowl week, listening to, you know, yo-yos like me, talking heads, just reach for things to talk about. And 15 minutes on Vrabel's too big and strong to land a head coaching job is something I chose to suffer through earlier today. But five years for Jim Harbaugh, 
A uh, lot of people asking Andy, Andy Reid, about the potential uh, retirement rumors should they win. So a lot to get to today. So after Matt stops by, we are going to bring in the esoteric one. Esoteric Eric. That's his Twitter handle. It's not my nickname. That'd be really weird if I nicknamed him that. Uh, Eric Walden, formerly of the Salt Lake Tribune. He has landed with our friends at KSL. KSL, where former Tribune writers go to blog. That's my new tagline for them. Josh, you can use that, but there will be royalties. So Eric is now over with KSL writing about the jazz. We'll bring him on to talk some jazz basketball today. Zach Harper, NBA Daily Assist style. And then out of obligation, Dave Fox will stop by. So, just kidding. Matt Collar, Eric Walden, Zach Harper, Dave Fox on TV with Dave last night. Uh, So we'll uh, bring Dave in. And Porter, I have to let you know uh, what Dave, the interaction with Dave Fox last night. First of all, young man, how was your Tuesday? Everything good? It's gone swell. It's gone swell. Uh, A little overcast day in Salt Lake. A little chilly. So but I, uh, it's, it's, it's good. So I say to Dave last night when I'm leaving the studio after we do our TV hit, um, he said, oh, I'm, I'm on the show tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, great. We'll look forward to it. He said, I'm going to be driving up to Logan. So at about 430, I'm going to be in the middle of Sardine Canyon. I'm like, well, Dave, then you okay. can't be on the show because that's not how it works. You have to be on the telephone in a place where your telephone has actual service. So he has agreed to at 430 to find a safe place to make a phone call. That's usually preferred. Yes, it's it usually is. preferred. But, you know. We uh, we work on. We make it work regardless. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, any of these manufactured NFL topics catching your antennas? I, it, it really is. And look, let's be clear. Let's be honest. This is all entertainment. This is an entertainment industry. That's the only reason that we exist is to try to uh, entertain people day to day, inform people and have a good time. So I'm not hating on the people that do it. I just sit back. Like, truly, I listened to Colin Cowherd today, which I never do. I respect Colin. I like Colin. But Colin Cowherd did 15 minutes on a rumor that Mike Vrabel is too big and strong to be hired as an NFL coach. I'm like, did you see Dan? Have you seen Dan Campbell? Right. Like, we can go down the list. There are a lot of these coaches that are big, strong dudes. So any of the manufactured topics uh, catching your attention here? That one is is just so silly to me because it probably was a NFL exec or GM probably said that he was intimidating like he's a big strong guy for sure like that's that's point that's pretty obvious in that regard that's not disqualifying you from a football job especially when you've spent a decade being a good nfl football coach but uh i don't know it manufactured is the right word because when you have two weeks between the conference title games and the super bowl you got to find something uh to get to and of course we can get to mahomes and and, and the, the schematics and, and what we think we're going to see on Sunday, which we will. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's it's a, it's a big nothing burger, as this one is. And respect to a master of the dark arts like Colin Coward, because he did 15. He turned that, That's topic, impressive. That's he, impressive. He turned that topic into a 15-minute segment on why tall, big men make more money in our country. Mm. So respect for the craft, but it's just like it's a nothing burger, right? Like there's nothing there. No, nothing there, nothing there. But as you said, we'll uh, we'll kind of get to all the Super Bowl and Super Bowl adjacent stuff in addition to pretty good night in hoops. All right, so let's dig into it. We've got a lot to do on the program today. Matt Caller is going to uh, bad lead off to talk some NFL and some pro football. But before we get to Matt on a Tuesday, courtesy of our good friends and your good friends too at jersey mics go to jerseymikes.com for all their locations across the watsatch front it's time now for your opening tip welcome to the drive with spence check on utah's number one sports talk 
Now, into the studios of ESPN 700 to set the scene for the show. The opening tip in the drive is brought to you by Jersey Mike's. With two dozen locations in Utah, Jersey Mike's is a sub above. Order online at jerseymikes.com. So I got a text yesterday after the show from uh, from a friend of mine who is also a listener of the show, and he also works for one of the pro teams in our state. And he asked a question philosophically because he heard me talking about uh, the Jazz win over Milwaukee and then turning that into just a bigger topic from a macro level, like who are the Jazz, where are they right now, and where are we at in the process. And the, the, the text was a question. He posed a question, and he said, is a championship the only goal in pro sports? That was the text. And I considered it. I have this weird thing. I feel that the, the uh, I feel I feel it necessary to respond to text like immediately. It's this weird quirk of, of mine I have. But I thought about it for a minute in the framework in which he asked it. And ultimately, and if you listen to the show, you know this, the way I cover teams in our market is I do hold them to championship standards. Uh, you know, that's just the way I do the job because I do believe that if you are in the business and I say pro sports, we, let's just throw college sports in there because we know the deal now. And there's some things that have come out today uh, that we should get into at some point. Uh, the Big Ten and the SEC have uh, formed a, a senior advisory board. OK, so the Big Ten, if you missed this, the Big Ten and the SEC have combined and they have uh, they have formed a, an advisory board to help those two conferences figure out the landscape of college college athletics. That's bad news, okay? Uh, it's bad news for our our teams here. It's bad news. Well, I was going to say the Pac-12, but the Pac-12 is dead. It's bad news for the Big 12. It's bad news for the ACC. It's bad news for anybody who is not a Big 10 or an SEC school. It just is because they're clearly circling the wagons with the idea of doing what we have all discussed for a couple of years now, and that's break away and essentially form a league that's a lot like pro football, okay? That's where we're going, Okay. I don't know if it's one year. I don't know if it's two years. I don't know if it's five years. Okay, Just like the NBA trade rumor stuff, the college athletic landscape is, okay, there's a rumor this is going to happen. This might go down too. And then, boom, we're hit over the head with a sledgehammer and told that there's no home for West Coast college football suddenly, right? But that's, that, that's an ominous sign, okay? There was also some news today that a judge ruled that the basketball players at Dartmouth can now go ahead and unionize, okay? So this is going to be interesting to follow. I don't know how this is going to play out, but this is the first time we've actually had a green light where it looks like this is going to be real. Could this be like a little uh, microcosm of what a bigger picture union situation with college athletes could look like? So a couple of things went down today. Uh, important to acknowledge because obviously we're a mile and a half away from Rice Eccles Stadium and the Huntsman Center and uh, partners of the University of Utah and, of course, Brigham Young and Utah State, too, and all the other colleges in our in our state that we all cover and care about and want to see do well. I mean, this is the, the, these are these are tricky things, right? So, but but back to the original point, like if a championship is the only goal, then ultimately that does kind of change the conversation in a way where you have to be careful to not be too hard on teams that are trying to build uh, to that championship and cover them in a vacuum in ways that. Uh, you would cover a championship team differently, if that makes sense. Like, you know, let's let's just say like the the L.A. Clippers right now, okay? And we'll talk about this today. The Clippers are going to clip, like Zach Harper always tells us. I don't know how much you've been watching. Uh, they're awesome, right? And they are the number one team since December 1st. They have the best offense in the league. So, like, if the Jazz were the Clippers, 
we'd cover them differently, right? We wouldn't necessarily, like I, I did the whole segment. The reason he reached out is I did the whole opening segment yesterday on essentially the one win against Milwaukee, the comeback from 19 points. How, and this is going to sound very Holly Rowe, right? How proud I was of watching Keontae close. Like, I cheer for that young kid. I think he's got a lot in him, man. I think he's going to be really good. So we did 15 minutes essentially on that game, right? And takeaways from that game and Will's decisions to, uh, you know, uh, make or at least encourage defensively to try to make Dame play fast and rush Dame into some four shots and make or miss. Uh, you know, th- that essentially was the topic yesterday. And the, the reason I leaned into it uh, in a way that I probably don't do very much with individual games is for a young team. And honestly speaking, a young ownership group and a front office that certainly has some veterans and some and and, and some some guys that have been around and have done some special things. But a, a new coach, new coaching staff, all those guys over there, everybody over there right now, they're still doing relatively new things in relation to who they're competing against. Right. You've got championship level coaches. You've got championship level ownership groups you have championship level players and the jazz right now are not that they don't have anybody on their roster that really has ever been that yet in the league so it's important to cover them in a different way i think to actually talk about what this means to have a team in our market who is trying uh, to put their best foot forward to build something special and the fun part about all of it and ultimately you land on this the fun part about simply sports uh, no matter what is I, I still feel like, and topically, there's an element to the Super Bowl being in Vegas and how much money, uh, you know, is being brought in uh, to essentially communities via legal online gambling because what the industry has figured out is how to marry two very addicting things. And if you know anything about addiction, you understand that essentially it's just somebody looking for a dopamine hit, you know, some serotonin, and we get that when we look at our phone. And we also get that when we place a bet, right? So if you combine those two things, you have two incredibly addicting things at your fingertips. And according to John Barr, the guy who was on the ESPN Daily podcast, there has been over $100 billion bet on sports over the past three years legally online that's turned into over $6 billion of tax revenues for communities. Now, ultimately, it's not legal here, right? Uh, There are some things, some daily stuff. You can do the daily stuff, and that's why we have some clients on the show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. But federally, since it became legal, communities are seeing tremendous benefits from essentially something that I find very dangerous to peddle. Uh, I am a believer in 
uh, your own ability to make choices. I, I have no problem with it being legal because I understand it's the same that we talked about the you know the, the the legalization of cannabis forever, and ultimately because of the financial benefits for communities. And then the misnomers about the actual, we don't, this is not a marijuana segment, okay? So you can keep your radio on if you have kids in the car. Ultimately, it's the same thing. Gambling, marijuana, uh, you are using something that has addictive tendencies, and people can choose whether or not they want to participate in that, and ultimately it does benefit the community. That's why at some point gambling is going to be legal, federally, period, end of story. Uh, We are high speed ahead to it, 38 states, and the fact that the Super Bowl is in Vegas right now is incredible, um, for a lot of different reasons, but I also think it's a little bit concerning if you kind of dig into exactly how this whole ecosystem is working. I know the NFL and Roger Goodell addressed this yesterday. They will tell you that they're uh, intentional about making sure that, you know, if you have a gambling addiction, here's the phone number, right? They try to inter- intermix some of these uh, messaging into their marketing. You know, if, if it's brought to you by FanDuel, what do you see? You also see at the bottom, like, oh, gambling issue, 1 800, whatever it is, right? So it, to me, that's window dressing that masks what I think is a little bit of a concerning situation. And I do find the Super Bowl and being in Vegas very topical. But back to the original point as I land the plane uh, a little bit in a sloppy manner for this segment, I, I, I thought it was a fascinating uh, thing to consider. Like, if a championship is the only goal, it certainly does change the way that you cover teams and talk about games. But just like what the Jazz are building and, and, and just like following a process, it's a microcosm of what we see night in and night out when we watch games. We sit down because I do believe the bottom line is this. There still is tremendous integrity in games, and we don't know what's going to happen, right? And, and that's ultimately why we do the job. That's ultimately why you watch and you go to the games, and it's – it's why the coaches coach and the players play because sport to me gets a little bit of a bad rap uh, in society because the fact of the matter is it is the very definition of a zero-sum game and zero-sum games do what? They pit people against each other, right? And sometimes that can be unhealthy, but ultimately the beauty of it in live competition is we just never know how it's going to go and that's why it's fun and that's why uh, you know covering a team that's in the middle of the process as opposed to covering a team that's close to the end of the finish line is just a different thing, and it's really fun to do. So, no, I don't think a championship is the only goal. I do think it always should be the goal. But throughout the process, there are several things to kind of follow, cover, and unpack a little bit that I think uh, I think is a lot of fun. And I'm not sure that I would have, would have done the job that same way because, again, to bottom line it, I do cover our teams with championship expectations. That's the way I that's what that's the way I do the job. Some people don't, that but that's the way I do it and um it does, you know, it does help that we've had so many good, successful and fun teams, college football, uh hoops, soccer, you know, everything around here. You know, we we've, we've really had some successful franchises and it's fun to watch the Jazz trying to build something new. So, we'll get back to some uh, NBA coming up. We do have Eric Walden and we also have Zach Harper, but coming up on the other side, Matt Collar's going to stop by. He's an author and a radio host for Sirius XM. All right, here's a read that we're going to do after the segment I just (laughs) talked about when it comes to uh, all the money that's coming in via legal gambling. So I do want to tell you about my good friends at (laughs) GamePick.com. I didn't didn't realize (laughs) that I had this read this segment. All right, we're going to take a deep breath. We're going to get through this. And uh, (laughs) I'm going to commit to looking at my rundown when I sit down, Porter. I can't do a diatribe about all the money that's coming in via gambling and then do a read about it, but that's what's about to happen. We can do it next segment. Let's just acknowledge the awkwardness and let's get through this together. Uh, everyone just reach out, give me a big old hug. Okay. 
don't know that I can do this. Okay, I can do it. All right, gamepick.com. <clears throat> you know what? I can't. We're going to break. I can't do it. I'm dead serious. I'll, <laughs> I'll do it after we interview Matt. Matt Collar joins us next right here on ESPN 700. Oh, you better watch out. Some guys, some guys are only about that thing, that thing, that thing, that thing, that thing, that thing. All right, we got Eric Walden. Rolling in and coming up in just a little bit from KSL to talk some jazz. Zach Harper, NBA Daily Assist Style. We'll do some college hoops with Dave Fox. But it's Super Bowl week, so we're going to start things off on a Tuesday uh, to talk some pro football. Matthew Collar is our guest. He's an author. He's a radio host. And it's good to have uh, Matthew on the show on a Tuesday. How are you, sir? Thanks for the time. I am doing very well. How about you? I'm well. So I see that you have been making the rounds. I have your Twitter pulled up. You guys should get X, whatever, at Matthew Collar is where you find him. And I will not be the disingenuous host that, was, that will tell you that he has read your book when he has not, Matthew. So I cannot tell you that I've read it. But I am curious. We have a lot of PFF guests on. And anybody who covers pro football probably utilizes their services. We certainly do here. I, I want the origin story. When did you come up with the idea? And what was it like to write this book uh, behind Pro Football Focus? Yeah, so uh, my day job since uh, 2016 has been covering the Minnesota Vikings. And I, like you mentioned, use PFF all the time. And as I started to see NFL teams do more things that PFF was advocating for for a long time, and a lot of their people who had been studying the numbers, I mean, going for fourth down is a really obvious thing, but even like team building and positional value and all those things that they had been studying for quite some time, start to come to fruition in the league, I started to wonder, like, where did this thing even come from that I'm using every day? But, and like, you know, you're talking about guests that you bring on, certainly same here with Sam Monson, Steve Palazzolo, people like that. But I didn't know where it came from. And so when I tried to find out, I called the founder, Neil Hornsby, and discovered a really crazy story, honestly, behind PFF, that he was just a football fan in England and didn't have a lot of other friends who were football fans. So he started going on message boards, and the more that they talked about the game, the more that they wanted to understand it better. And so he started writing down what happened on every single play, which started to grading every play, which started to put uh, you know website information up that the New York Giants ultimately saw and then reached out and contacted them about their data because some of it they felt was very accurate and useful. And then they formed a partnership with the Giants and started selling some of their data to teams. And then it exploded uh, from there for PFF. But this was happening along the same lines as analytics and sports were exploding as well. So we've seen a lot of that, obviously, in basketball, where they only shoot three-pointers now and dunk, and uh, baseball, where they don't bunt. Uh, well, the stealing bases kind of came back a little this year, but you know things like that that have happened uh, across other sports. But football never really had its analytics revolution, but it was starting to pay attention to what was going on in, in, in the analytics world outside of football, and it started to permeate uh, the NFL, and there was PFF as sort of the Johnny on the spot uh, to be there with this data, and it just kept building and building, and it went from just a bunch of guys trying to decide whether a left guard made the right play to NFL people 
formulating their data and shaping their data, including the new offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons, Zach Robinson, who after his NFL career worked with PFF and helped them understand coverages and shape their data for quarterbacks and things like that. So now they work with 32 NFL teams, over 100 colleges, the CFL. There's a UFL that's coming that I'm sure they're going to be working with and providing data for as well. And it's also been at a time where NFL teams are trying to figure out how do we use all of this still? And we're seeing a ton of uh, hires of data scientists and things like that to deal with all the data that now they're privy to. So it's an incredible story of just someone who is curious and turned it into a a very successful business. So fascinating. A couple of follow-ups here, uh, Matt. And uh, can I call you Matt? Is that all right? Is that okay with you? Yes, that is totally fine. Matt or Matthew both work. Okay, I'm Spencer Spencer, too. People ask me. I have no preference. But, you know, I'm old enough to remember, uh, like, my friend's fathers playing fantasy baseball via the newspaper, right? And um, I never – I'm not old enough to have done that, but I'm old enough to remember that it was a thing. And, of course, Moneyball, Bill James, you know, all that stuff in baseball. It felt like baseball was kind of the first – uh, sport that uh, suddenly was infiltrated by analytical minds. And then, uh, you know, we have an NBA team here, of course, in the Jazz. Do not have an NFL team, maybe one day. And we have a lot of guys with the Jazz now, and certainly the last iteration under Quinn Snyder, that were very analytical driven. And I wonder what you would say about uh, the approach when it comes to football, because it does feel like most people in pro sports at this point, even if you're not a numbers guy, you have to learn about them because they do help you. Uh, understand what you're seeing and it feels like the best executives and coaches probably have a combination of trusting what they're seeing because they're seasoned and also utilizing numbers to maybe help them understand the game a little bit differently how 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 have you seen that unfold in pro football if that makes sense yeah no it does And, and there was a feeling i think among people sometimes for a long time that was well it's it's really hard to have analytics in football because there's so many moving parts which of course uh the people behind the scenes in football organizations were always trying to gather data even if they didn't look at it and talk about it as analytics but having a quality control person look at every single third down and 10 and why you succeeded or failed is analytical it's just that pff has people that do it for you and just give you the data uh but there's a story in the book where you know once pff started to present what they had to teams to try to sell to them that some coaches were very frustrated because they were like i have to become a numbers person now or i'm gonna get left behind in this league and that's absolutely true for all sports all leagues we paint certain people as well this is the analytics coach and analytics gm the answer is everybody's got to be that way just on twitter today i saw buck showalter who's been in baseball for 50 years talking about the numbers that are brought to him on a daily basis as a manager he's had to advance with that and Uh, I think that most coaches have an analytical mindset anyway, like thinking about looking for any tiny edge that they can get. But, you know, when it comes to these types of numbers in particular with the grades, that sort of struck a nerve with some people in the game. But 
they were using all the other data that PFF was gathering, like all the situational stuff. And then when PFF built a system where that tied the analytics to the film. So if you wanted to find out any situational thing, what coverage was played, what schemes worked or didn't work against certain coverages, against certain teams and certain situations, you used to have to go through all the film for that. Now click, click, and you've got that information. And you also need to understand how to apply all the stuff, like when to trust your fourth down person that's up in the booth that now NFL teams, a lot of coaches have an analytics person that's telling them in their headset during the game, hey, this is what you should be doing in this situation. But that doesn't mean that it's always going to be correct, as we found out from Dan Campbell, although that was more of an analytical coin flip. But still, like it doesn't mean that it works every time just because it's shaded statistically toward one side, which I, I'm sure that you know the every nba coach would say it's better to shoot threes but if we miss 27 in a row like the houston rockets did that one time then like what are you going to do like the, there's always going to be those outliers but coaches have to have i think a really really good feel for where the numbers should fit within the entire operation in order to succeed in the game now is there a, a, either a front office or a coaching staff and maybe you just reference the answer to this question in dan campbell that has the reputation uh, for utilizing numbers in a very successful way. Like in the NBA, people always talk about Daryl Morey. Uh, they talked about Sam Hinkie and then Sam lost his job. So Daryl's kind of Sam pressed. Look, they all use it, but is, is there like a model franchise in pro football? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I think that uh, there are certainly franchises that, jumped on a lot of the concepts earlier. So the two that come to mind are the Philadelphia Eagles and the Baltimore Ravens, where, you know, these are run by, it's funny, like some of the heroes of analytics are people you wouldn't have expected, like a former football uh, quarterback like Doug Peterson. But when they lost their quarterback, Carson Wentz, in 2017, Doug Peterson you know, started leaning into going for it on fourth down more and leaning into that data because he knew we're not going to win without, you know, getting an edge here against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, right? And they converted key fourth downs. And I think their general manager, Howie Roseman, I think he would be unhappy to be painted as like an analytics person uh, just because they, I don't think anybody likes that label uh, because you're running an entire organization. But if you look at the way that they draft their focus on premium positions, the way that they've built around a rookie quarterback contract, the fact that they drafted a quarterback when they already had one, like these are things that are pushed through, you know, kind of analytical concepts. And then Baltimore in some of their team building around Lamar Jackson, I think has been very clever. You look at the way that they handle running backs. They understand that Lamar Jackson makes all of his running backs a lot better because he's a threat. And so they don't spend a lot of money at that position. And they also understand that schematically their defense uh, can have rotational rushers. They don't have to pay one edge rusher a bunch of money where they can instead bring in, you know, different pieces. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think that they're ahead of the game, those couple of teams and their models for teams to follow. Um, but also we're just starting in analytics in the NFL. So if teams do better at it, there are opportunities to get an edge uh, when it comes to the analytics, because the, there's so much data that's just starting to become available beyond PFF. I mean, all the tracking data, uh, we don't even know like what it means necessarily yet. And they're hiring more and more data people to try to figure that out as we go forward. So the opportunity is still there. 
Uh, I don't know if there's ever going to be an Oakland A's in the NFL because everyone's owned by billionaires and there's a salary cap. So, you know, it's not like a team from way behind trying to catch up. Uh, But if you're the team that does it better and smarter, you get the 1% edge that gives you a better chance to win than your uh, opponents. And I've always found this so interesting to discuss, Matt, because as you know, it's polarizing. Some people, and you reference the coaches, right? Some of the old school coaches, some people get so angry when you try to analyze sports with a calculator. And some people think it's so ignorant and dumb to ignore the entire thing. I'm just a curious guy. So I find it interesting to learn things like, you know, Mahomes with zero turnover worthy plays, right? Uh, you know, in the postseason, negatively graded dropbacks and such. But I wonder for listeners, it could be, and the answer very well maybe go to PFF, but I read an interesting piece in The Athletic after all the Dan Campbell stuff with the fourth down decisions. And, you know, the uh, rider was able to kind of walk it through and make the numbers digestible to understand, like you said, uh, maybe the actual more heinous call was in the first half as opposed to what people were leaning on. And then, you know, the decision to run the ball and get stopped. And then the clocks, you know, seconds click off uh, the, the, the clock there. I, I wonder where you would direct people, uh, football fans, that are curious to learn about this kind of infiltration of an- analytics in professional football. Yeah, and the running the ball there was uh, egregious, by the way. Yeah, like, I yeah, don't yeah. think that anybody would uh, say that that made any analytical sense to run the clock out on yourself. But timeout usage is something that you'll see. Actually, the 49ers, I think, are kind of bad at it when it comes to using timeouts. So that's something uh, to pay attention to. But I would just say that like, there's some really, really smart analytical people out there still working at PFF on their website. Also, Sumer Sports is uh, Eric Eager is a guy that worked at PFF who has branched off and now works with uh, Thomas Dimitrov, uh, who used to be the GM of the Atlanta Falcons. They're a new analytics company, and there's going to be a lot of these companies coming up. But I will say it is difficult for fans to know who to go to yeah. because just like any other opinions, whether it's a great radio show or a bad radio show, it, it, you got to sort through it and you're saying like, who's, who's reputable here. Who's telling me the truth. So, you know, I think the guys at PFF have done it long enough where they have a good understanding of how this stuff all works. Seth Walder from ESPN does a tremendous job of breaking down analytics, but I think it's a little bit of drinking out of a fire hose for people. And that can be frustrating. And also a lot of the analytics people have had to fight an uphill battle. And that's it in my book as well that like there was kind of an attitude that they were taking that maybe some of them still have about, you know, the numbers are right kind of thing. And uh, that's also been a challenge for getting people in the door who are just trying to learn and understand about this type of thing. So it can be, it can be a little bit uh, dicey, especially as things change all the time. You might think something is fact proven by the numbers. And then tomorrow there's a new study that shows that it's not, you know, so we're still in that area. You know, and you just alluded to what I'm about to ask you in a way uh, with the answer you just gave me. But and I want to be careful here because it's not fair to say football guys are dumb. It's not fair to say football guys are meatheads. Right. But football guys are football guys. Right. And they believe that they've got the secret sauce when it comes to the sport that they've been around forever. I, I wonder if there's any and you referenced this maybe with some coaches. But when it comes to front offices, when it comes to just the football community, have people who have tried to, I guess I'll say, make the sport, the sport smarter, quote, uh, quote, unquote, have people who have tried that endeavor, have they received some uh, negative uh, feedback or altogether pushback from guys that feel like they know the game and don't, they don't have time for your numbers? 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, certainly as PFF was coming into prominence, that was a thing that they battled against. And what actually made them successful is rather than saying, we know what's right and you're wrong, football men, uh, the founder of PFF, Neil Hornsby, said, tell me what I can do better. And so he worked so closely with these NFL people that like they're responsible for a lot of this data, uh, even more than just, you know, Neil Hornsby is like, because they're the ones that gave him the ideas of how to do it. So when it comes to the grades, it's like, you know, when people bring up, well, they don't know the assignments. Actually, they've worked with offensive line coaches who have helped them greater understand the assignments on certain run schemes. And is that going to be 100% of the time by every single game plan? No, but it's gotten closer and closer and closer uh, as they've gone along. And I would say that like that attitude, that pushback, I remember the analytics person from the New York Giants telling me that early on when they first adopted the PFF data, they had to kind of give a presentation to the coaches. Like, here's how we use it. Here's what it does. Don't look at the grades. I know they bother you. And he said that now when people come in, they already know all this stuff. Like, that, that's just part of being a coach is advancing yourself. It's sort of like, look, if you're running the wing T or something, like, it, once the, the, the uh, air attack starts to show up, you know, with Don Coriel. Um, and deep passing and stuff like you you have to advance or you're just out of football, right? It's always been that. Um, and so, you know, I think that like the same thing exists for analytics is the strong are going to survive here when it comes to people who understand how to use them and organizations are not going to hire too many people that don't want to use them because they see all their friends, all the other owners hiring analytics people and getting edges by doing it. So I think it's just sort of the nature of being a coach in general is always having to reinvent yourself. Before we can uh, tell listeners where to go get the book, Matt, let's just talk about the game for a moment. What, what do the numbers say about this matchup? San Fran, a slight favorite. The line has moved towards them a couple of different times. It's settled at about two and a half, but what, uh, what do the numbers say about this matchup? What do you make of uh, what we could see coming up on Sunday? Yeah, one of the troubles with football analytics is that one team has Mahomes. Like, there isn't much <laughs> that would point to San Francisco, or I'm sorry, Kansas City in this matchup. Uh, because when you look at even their offenses, San Francisco had a much better offense over the regular season than Kansas City did. And yet, 
Mahomes and the way that he's playing and like the matchup, all this stuff uh, is hard to pinpoint when the quarterback has so much of an advantage uh, in influencing the game. So, I mean, from my perspective, I would throw out a lot of Kansas City's numbers from the regular season because they've been a different team when it comes to the playoffs. I would say I ran into Aaron Schatz, an analytics legend today on Radio Row, and his numbers have the Kansas City Chiefs playoff run as one of the most impressive ever since he's been analyzing the numbers, which goes back uh, into the 90s and 80s, because look who they played, the Dolphins, the Bills. I mean, these were really, really tough teams in Baltimore, and they found their way here, and now they face maybe the strongest team in the league, but who's betting against them when they have Mahomes? Fair enough. Matt, thanks for the time, man. Tell people where they can go get the book. Yeah, I'd say the best way is just go to Amazon or Google. Football is a numbers game. And uh, I would say that if you're a uh, analytics skeptic, I've had quite a p- few people read it and say, you know what? Still a good story. <laughs> well, good stuff. I'm excited to read it. I appreciate your time. We had Eric Eager on yesterday, so that was fun. But enjoy the week down there, and um, we'd love to get you back on again. Thanks, Matt. Sounds good. Anytime. Thanks. Uh, all right, Matt Caller, author of Football is a Numbers Game. He covers the Vikings at Purple Insiders, a radio host, too, does some stuff on SiriusXM. Get him on Twitter, at Matthew Caller is where you find him. Also, it'll be on our show rundown, too, uh, so you can find it on our Twitter page. All right, before we catch a break, I want to tell you about GamePick.com. GamePick is the ultimate game changer. You can make picks and compete with friends, a responsible sports betting platform that can make your time watching the NFL NBA and college ball, even more exciting. Check it out today and get started by doing five easy steps. Number one, go to GamePick.com. Number two, transfer money into your GamePick account for diamond credits. Number three, make picks on sports odds using those diamonds. Number four, challenge your friends. And then, of course, number five, watch that portfolio grow. GamePick LLC is offered by Double I Investments LLC as a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Interactive Brokers LLC, Member FINRA slash SPIC, no purchase necessary. <clears throat> I can do hard things. See? We've grown today together. It's a good step. I knew you could do it. All right. We'll catch a break. Uh, coming up on the other side, we're going to bring in Eric, Eric Walden, formerly of the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, Eric will stop by. He's doing some uh, work with our friends at KSL, writing some jazz stuff. And we'll talk some jazz hoops with Eric. Uh, going to bring in Zach Harper later on. Dave Fox, don't forget, we have a couple of tickets to give away for the Utah women's basketball game against Oregon. And we got 25 bucks to Via 313, some excellent Detroit pizza. We'll do that about 4 o'clock on a Tuesday. One hour down, three hours to go. Keep it right here on ESPN 700. <laughs> Tuesday on the show today, uh, but we made an exception. We would only do this for one one person. So let's bring him in. The esoteric one himself was with the trip. He's landed at KSL and he's still writing about the Utah Jazz, which is all that matters. He is Eric Walden on a Tuesday afternoon. Eric, happy Tuesday, buddy. How are we doing? I'm living the dream, Spence. How are you? I'm well. Let's just start with the lead. Let's not bury the lead. Uh, tell our listeners who like themselves some Eric Walden where the work can now be found. 
Yeah, so um, after 20-plus years with the Salt Lake Tribune, I am not there anymore as of, uh, what, two weeks ago. Uh, still looking for my next permanent gig, but for now I am freelancing with KSL.com. So, yeah, uh, they kindly consented to uh, pick me up and, and give me some work. And so, yeah, people can go to KSL.com and, and uh, see some of my coverage of the jazz over the next little bit. And for the past number of years, you have been tweeting to a lot of people under the moniker of at Trib Jazz, which you are no longer doing. So where can our listeners go follow you? Yeah, I'm now uh, tweeting everything from my personal account, which is at Esoteric Walden, E-S-O-T-E-R-I-C-W-A-L-D-E-N. All right, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. So uh, let me just ask you a question. Do you, you, you want to cover pro basketball? Is that your desire that you want to you know, stay in the league and cover pro hoops? Well, that was my desire. That's, that's kind of the reason why I'm no longer with the Tribune. We kind of... Uh, they, they had some issues with their staffing and they wanted to go a different way and didn't foresee that continuing. So that would be ideal. Uh, I would love for there to be, you know, an opportunity uh, to stay in the market and um, continue covering the jazz. I, I am a native Utah I would love to keep doing that. If there winds up being an opportunity to cover another team elsewhere, uh, you know, I, I actually thought there was going to be one. It turns out I won't, you know, say the city or, or the publication, but I actually was a finalist for um, a beat writer job for another team that would have entailed me moving out of state. That didn't quite work out. But, um, yeah, if another opportunity like that comes up, that would be something I would consider. Um, yeah, kind of all options are open right now. All right, man. Well, gl- glad you're still here. Glad you're still riding and glad we can still catch up on the show. So let's dig into it. Uh, Interesting piece today. So I want to start with some trade deadline stuff. And before we get to the framework of potential deals and reports that are out there about the Jazz, uh, a really good piece up today, uh, ESPN.com, about the stress of the trade deadline for the players, right? So uh, oftentimes on the show, I do try to talk about the fact that we are covering real people and real humans that have real emotions. And I've always found it pretty Uh, interesting and sometimes almost unfair that in pro basketball and pro sports, you can wake up on a Tuesday and get a note that says, Hey, you live in Milwaukee now. And you're like, wait, what? Uh, These guys have families They you know, they have obligations. What in your experience, you've been doing this a while. What, what is this week like for players that are genuinely in uh, trade discussions and trade rumors left and left and right? Yeah, it's, it's, decidedly nerve-wracking and it's a situation that you know most people aren't going to experience in their lives and you know there'll be those who say well hey you know these guys are making millions of dollars to play a game like they know going in that that's part of the equation and uh you know they should be used to it and like all of that is technically true but yeah to your point that doesn't take the humanity out of the situation uh it is nerve-wracking it is stressful there are a lot of, you know, family considerations to take into account. There's, you know, considerations of, of basketball futures because sometimes guys feel like they're in a really good place and the uncertainty of going somewhere else where they may not be as good a fit, no matter, you know, what the intentions are of the, of the GMs trading for them or the coaches, you know, uh, things don't always work out perfectly. And so, yeah, over the years, we've seen guys who've been, 
kind of listed in trade discussions really kind of stress out a little bit at this time of year. You know, Ricky Rubio, by all accounts, one of the nicest guys in the NBA, uh, snapped at me a few years ago, you know, when I asked him a question about, you know, the, the trade deadline, just because he was worried that the Jazz were set to deal with him at that time. It didn't wind up happening uh, at that trade deadline, you know. Obviously, he, he wound up leaving uh, later on. But, um, you know, a year ago, Mike Conley was was definitely kind of cognizant of the situation and, and worried about it, you know, mentioning that, like, hey, my, my kids, like, absolutely love the school that they're in. Um, it would be a real bummer if I had to pull them out of school and, you know, move them across the country or whatever, you know, of course he did, he does wind up getting traded and uh, it became a situation where his wife stayed here in Utah through the end of the school year to keep his kids in school and give them, you know, some semblance of normalcy uh, because, you know, these, these situations, they don't just affect the players. Right. So, um, yeah, you definitely see it have an impact. I, I think we could point to a few guys on the team right now and, uh, you know, look at their production over the last two weeks or so and, and, and kind of theorize as to how, you know, them being involved in, in trade talks is kind of impacting them right now. So I wonder, because, look, at the end of the day, we all have a job to do, and all of our jobs uh, are different when it comes to this ecosystem, and we do these jobs because we love them, and they also pay our bills. Uh, but from the standpoint of how you cover the trade deadline, does the human element ever make you like pump fake? And I'll, I'll, anecdotally, I'll share something with you. The only time I've ever gotten straight sideways with the Jazz front office was when Kevin O'Connor was running the show. And I had it from two different separate sources that the, the Jazz and the Cavs were talking about a deal. It was the Wiggins um, Jabari draft. And the Jazz and the Cavs were talking about a deal that w- would have sent Derek Favors and number five to Cleveland for number one. And everyone around here was like, they want Jabari because Jabari, LDS kid, right? But the intel was they wanted Wiggins. Um, the deal never happened, but I got it from two people that I trusted enough to go with it. And Kevin called me after my show one day and was irate. And we, we talked it through because Kevin's a nice, a, a good man, a respectful man, a decent man. And the way he framed it, and I didn't know Derek very well, he just kind of gave me some information about really what a sensitive guy Derek is, you know, and Derek should be a jazz legend, loved him here, and, you know, was really a key part of this community, seemed to love it here. And uh, so that, I don't know, man, that kind of changed the way I, I go about Now, my job is not, I'm not a reporter the way you are. A radio host, it's a different thing. I don't have to break news. Some choose to do it. I'm not very comfortable with it because I do feel like there is a, human element involved here that I try to be cognizant of when I cover teams, but does the human element affect the way that you go about reporting on these things at all? You know, I'm, I'm, I'll go ahead and say not really. Like, obviously, you know, I, I want to be fair to everyone involved, and that's kind of the benchmark that I strive for. Um, I honestly feel like, you know, these guys being on a team that is helmed by Danny Ainge, you know, I'm not breaking news to anyone, you know, any of the players involved say, hey, you know, uh, your name has come up in, in trade discussions, sure, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of helpful. Just the fact that the league that we're in right now and the front office that we have and, um, you know, frankly, the position of the team, you know, where it's at, 
Danny has been kind of up front that like, you know, no one, he considers no one untouchable. Right. And so um, that certainly helps in the way that I do my job because yeah, I'm, you know, I don't want anyone to be hurt or upset or have bad feelings, but at the same time, you know, my job is to provide information to people, uh, to readers, you know, who are interested in what's going on with their team. And so when I feel like I've got reliable intel on what's happening, um, you know, I tend to run with that. And, and sure, sometimes people are upset. Sometimes it takes some people by surprise. But, you know, if I can tell them, hey, look, you know, I understand that you may not like it, but um, my, my information is reliable, you know, they, they generally kind of understand the job that I am doing and, and what I'm trying to do. And, um, you know, it, it hasn't been problematic, I guess we could say. And, and, you know, ultimately, I've never been the guy that brings up the fact that these guys are multimillionaires and, you know, that therefore they should be treated differently. But I also do hearken back to the Don Draper scene when Peggy asks him why he doesn't say thank you. And he says, that's what the money's for. And, you know, it is a different existence when uh, the minute you're asked to move, you can pay for everything and, and fly first class to your like that. That stuff is real. But I, th- this week, man, I don't know. Like, it feels like the anxiety for these guys has to be sky high, but we can move on from it and move into the space of whether or not you believe the Jazz are going to be active between now and Thursday. Yeah, I, I definitely do. I can't say for certain that they'll make a move, but um, I know that there are talks going on. I know that they're having active conversations with teams. Certainly there are guys on their roster who are appealing to other teams. Um, you know, you, you look at a guy like Kelly Olenek, who's on an expiring contract, and, hey, big men who can shoot and pass and, and, and do some level of playmaking are always going to be in demand, right? So uh, you've got teams who are definitely looking at, you know, maybe renting Kelly Olenek before he becomes a, a, a free agent. Um Jordan Clarkson, you know, again, I, I guess we can come right out and say he's, he's kind of the one who I was referring to previously and saying, like, it's fair to wonder how much the trade talk is, is impacting his play because he's been struggling a little lately. Um, at the same time, you know, he's got a proven track record of being, you know, a bucket off the bench. And, and again, that's valuable for teams. You know, certainly there will be those who, who – look at his efficiency numbers and, and don't see the appeal quite as much as other organizations, uh, depending on the team, you know, <laughs> you look at the way the jazz were when they acquired him, right. Their, their bench was so devoid of scoring options that it made all the sense in the world for them to make the deal that they did. So, uh, you know, you can look at him and say, Hey, there are teams in that situation yet again, who might be willing to make that leap. Um, you know, again, to, to the point I made previously, on a Danny Ainge Helm team, literally no one is off the table. Now, do I think Lowry Martin is going anywhere? I don't. You know, uh, failing some kind of deal along the lines of Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell type deals or failing, you know, some megastar in the league suddenly becoming available and, you know, needing to throw... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, Lowry into that to make it happen. Uh, I just don't see them trading him just because they do absolutely love what he's done and what he's become. Uh, and, and the fact that he's, you know, on the record is saying he absolutely would love to stay here long term certainly doesn't hurt his chances to do that. But um, yeah, but beyond that, uh, I would not be shocked to see anyone from this team potentially on the move. Now, do I think it's likely Keontae George gets traded? No, you know, there, there are a few names. Do I think it's likely that Walker Kessler gets traded? No, I don't. Other than that, um, yeah, bring up a jazz player and say, do you think there's a possibility he could get traded? And yeah, it it could make sense for almost anyone. Okay, let's uh, let's dig into a couple of storylines here. It's been a few weeks since we've had you on, and I've kicked the tires with Tony, uh, Sarah, and Andy uh, on this topic because you know I always say this: like the beat guys and gals, and they, them's, and all. I'm a fan of everyone, right? Like the beat folk uh, know the team in a way that other media members just don't. And I've always enjoyed my interactions with Jordan Clarkson like everybody else in this city, but I don't know him in the way you guys do. And I I wonder, I don't know this to be true, but I wonder if there's anything, because look, everybody loves him here. He's going to leave here, you know, in in a way that, you know, folks will look back uh, 10 years from now and say, remember when Clarkson was here, you know, he was, he had such a great stretch, the first sixth man of the year award winner. Do you think there's anything in Jordan at the age of 31, 32, uh, that uh, he's looking around at the timeline for this team and understanding that that doesn't match uh, his timeline as a professional basketball player as he ages, where Jordan may go to the team and say, look, thank you for uh, everything, the opportunity you gave me, the contract, all that, uh, but I want to go win. I want to go play for a team that has a chance to throw punches with the best teams in the league. Do you think there's – Anything there? Because if he did that, Eric, my guess is the Jazz would do their best to facilitate that for a guy they like an awful lot. I won't say that's, you know, totally out of the realm of possibilities, but I also don't really just necessarily see that from his personality. Uh, I've I've always viewed JC since he's been here as a guy who just really enjoys kind of the camaraderie of the guys who he's around, who he's gotten to know, who he's gotten friendly with and, and kind of, you know, been through the fire with. And so I think JC would absolutely love to stay here and, and play out the rest of his contract. Um, you know, which is not to say that uh, winning is not important to him. I think he's one of those guys who frankly feels like, Hey, I want to be part of that winning here. I want to help kind of usher that in here. Um, you know, how realistic that is. I don't know. You know, that, that's partly dependent on what the Jazz do at the trade deadline. Uh, the indications do seem to be, and I know various people have put this out there in, in national reports, and I'm hearing a similar thing, 
the Jazz are not necessarily in, you know, draft asset acquisition mode. They are at this point kind of looking for guys who can contribute, who can be a part of the, the future success going forward. And so, um, you know, yeah, you, you're not wrong in that JC is, uh, you know, is he the oldest guy on the team? He might be. It's, it's either him or, or Kelly, I want to say. It might be Jordan. Uh, and so from that perspective, you know, you can make the argument like, hey, you know, it makes all the sense in the world to, you know, send him to a team that's uh, closer to contending than the Jazz are. I think he honestly views it as, I'm happy here. I love it here. I love the environment here. I love the coaching staff here. Uh, I want to be part of that next great Jazz team rather than a piece that gets sent away to bring in someone else to it to make that happen, you know? All right, I'm going to ask you about a report and a rumor. And I hate doing this, but it's the business now because in the ecosystem of pro basketball, basically Woj and Shams get get everything, and then we have to talk about their reports. Uh, and I let, let me ask you this. I'm not trying to run the guy down. Is Jake Fisher a credible – I feel like a lot of people send me, like, Jake Fisher. I don't know him. I've never interviewed him. I usually just trust the guys that seem to always get it right. Is Jake Fisher a credible reporter? Like, should I really be leaning into these rumors that he's reporting? You know what? I have not had any personal interaction with Jake Fisher, so I can't speak to that personally. Uh, Andy has, and I know that Andy finds him credible. So, uh, you know, for whatever that's worth. Okay, well, let me unpack this then. Jake Fisher went on Mark Stein's podcast, and I like Mark. I know Mark. I've read him for years. And Jake Fisher is reporting that two teams made a serious offer for DeJounte Murray, and one of them is the Lakers and the other is the Jazz. So two-part question, any insight there as to whether or not it's real? And if it's real, what, to me, that signals serious intent. What does it say to you? Yeah, um, I haven't personally heard anything along those lines, but it doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, he's a guy who obviously has fallen off a little bit in Atlanta these last couple of years, just because the fit alongside Trey Murray has not been particularly great. I think the Hawks had envisioned those guys as being complementary pieces. And what we've seen is there's a, perhaps a little too much overlap in, in skill set, And, you know, that's, that's made it happen that uh, he's not been quite as, you know, impactful as they had hoped. But you go back to the reputation that he had in San Antonio, you know, the guy who was able to, uh, you know, give the Spurs that hall of picks that they got from Atlanta just because of how highly regarded he was. And you can say, all right, you know, that, that makes some sense uh, that the Jazz would be interested. You know, they, they clearly have not been uh, overloaded with, um, you know, defensive oriented uh, perimeter players over the last few years, right? And at his best, that's what he can be. You know, he's a, he's a fringe all-star level type player when his game is working. So part of me says, yeah, it, it could make sense. The other part of me, you know, wonders, do, are you going to run into a similar fit type issue that, that Atlanta had? Um, you know, with them having Trey Young, that pushes uh, DeJounte Murray off the ball quite a bit where he has not flourished as much. So I guess then you look at this jazz team and you say, all right, well, if Keontae is really kind of viewed as, as that piece of the future, you know, as has been portrayed, 
how does that work here then? You know, are, are you just going to be uh, repeating, you know, this, the same issue that the Hawks had and bringing it to Utah? So that's what gives me some pause. I know that Tony has, has you know, been strongly kind of uh, trying to downplay that and saying, like, look, the, the salary piece just doesn't necessarily work. And I get that DeJounte is not cheap. Uh, he also is, you know, in a place where he has a salary somewhere between like 25 and, and 32 million a year. I don't, you know, I'm spitballing there. I don't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, you know, as, as opposed to being one of these guys who's making 45, 50, 55 million a year. Right. So, so that context is important. Um, but at the same time, you know, you're looking at a jazz team that's paying John Collins, uh, 25-ish million a year. You're looking at needing to sign Lowry to an extension and give him a big raise. So um, I, I see pros and cons for that move, I guess I guess is what I'm trying to say. All right, Bobby Marks hopped on the show about two weeks ago now and presented. I just asked him because, again, we're all just kind of trying to figure out the landscape to report on things. It's hard to know exactly how this is going to go down. So I said, Bobby, give me a deal that works. Just give me a deal that you has, you know, because he does the trade guides for all the teams for 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 the dot com side of ESPN, and he presented Jordan Clarkson to the New York Knicks in exchange for the Evan Fournier contract and a first round pick. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm quite sure that this is just another question where I'm like, let's get your thoughts on another hypothetical situation. But when you dig into it, it there, there's a lot there that makes sense for both sides. So give me your thoughts on the framework of a deal like that. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Like, I guess if you are convinced that um, JC being here is, is not the best kind of long-term thing, um, because obviously, you know, he does have multiple years remaining on his contract past the end of this season. Uh, although, you know, he did sign that unique deal where he took, you know, the, the balloon first-year salary and then it uh, declines in years two, two and three. So, you know that makes his contract favorable going forward. But yeah, I mean, if, if you're looking at him now and saying, okay, you know, he's back to being a sixth man as opposed to the starter he was a year ago. Um, if we don't see him being, you know, a viable long-term piece, then yeah, you know, you, you, you take your chances on another future first round pick added to the hall that becomes, you know, potentially uh, a piece in something else down the line down the line you know you're kind of kicking the can down the road a little bit to some degree um for the knicks i think it it, it makes a ton of sense just because that's a team that um you know is uh kind of consistently looking to contend kind of take that next step and they've been kind of pretty short of that over the years you know and so they're making moves to, to kind of take that next step to move you know they've made thus far bringing in ogn and ob has really paid off We've seen Jalen Brunson take the next step. Uh, Julius Randle, when he's healthy, you know, has, has been a really good player. But um, they did lose a bit of backcourt scoring in that deal, you know, trading away R.J. Barrett, trading away quickly. And, yeah, from, from the Knicks' perspective, bringing in a guy like J.C., who's got a track record of being able to uh, get the ball in the hoop in a hurry at times, yeah, I, I think it makes a ton of sense for them. Again, for the Jazz, um, you know, I don't necessarily love it, but if they've decided that, you know, they can live without JC just given where they are right now, then yeah, sure. You know, a first round pick is, is probably a good return for him. 
All right, uh, your debut for KSL, KSL KSL.com, about Will Hardy. And by the way, if he's able to do this, I need you to give him my number because I need my brain freed up a little bit. So he's working on, quote, freeing players' brains up a little bit. What does that mean, Eric? Tell us about it. Yeah, so basically his point was that, uh, and and this kind of came to a head in the aftermath of the loss to the Sixers where, Joel Embiid is out, and you, everyone in the building should know that Tyrese Maxey is going to be the head of the snake for the Sixers. And for whatever reason, the Jazz just kind of were slow reacting to what he was doing offensively, right? And so all of a sudden, he steps into a few open threes. He's feeling himself. He's got momentum working. And then it becomes very hard to slow him down the rest of the game. Um you know, all of a sudden he hits a fourth three in the first quarter, a fifth three. And uh, next thing you know, he's scoring 51 points and the, and the Sixers are picking up the win. Uh, Will's point was, we've got such a young team of guys who mean so well and want to show so much that they are in tune with what the coaching staff is teaching them during, you know, practice sessions, during film sessions, during shoot arounds, that sometimes they need to recognize that like, Hey, what we talked about in those sessions is not what's taking place in front of you on the court. And you need to have the belief in yourself to recognize like, no, that's not what we talked about. And I need to react and adjust and, and, and deviate from the plan. And, you know, to his point, there's a too many guys right now who just, you know, are like, well, Hey, you know, if, if I freelance a little bit, you know, that's, going against the plan that we talked about and and i don't want to get in trouble for that uh his point is like you guys have been playing basketball for a long time trust your instincts right like yes there are certain non-negotiables in the game plan you always need to be doing this but you know some of these scenarios that we talk about um you know (laughs) he he had a great line like yeah you know on on this one type of play yes Technically, theoretically, you should go under a screen. But when we're discussing that in theory in the film room, uh, Tyrese Maxey hasn't already hit three or four three-pointers, right? So he, he basically is saying, like, look, I'm trying to give these guys the freedom, the autonomy to kind of, you know, do things themselves, to kind of go against the plan when they feel like it makes sense to do that, when they feel like they need to adjust to what's happening uh, right before their eyes. All right, Eric, before I set you loose, after tonight, there's 30 games left for the Jazz. Sometimes the season kind of creeps up on you, and we are far past the halfway point. But after 51 games, 52 tonight, uh, my question for you is, who are they? We have the good, we have the bad, we have everything in between through 51 games. Who, Who are the Utah Jazz? Yeah, it's it's a team that uh, probably has too much talent to be terrible and not enough talent to be uh, consistently good. And so that's where you see, you know, kind of the, the ups and downs that you're mentioning. You know, they're, this is a team that, um, you know, when Larry Markinen and Colin Sexton and Walker Kessler and, you know, other guys are firing on all cylinders, you can see them knock off, you know, the, a Milwaukee Bucks team that has Giannis and Dane. Um, it's also a group of guys that have enough holes in their games and, and enough growing pains that um, they can lose four or five in a row and dip back under 500, you know? So it, it, it's a team that has some talent and is, you know, 
trying to, you know, you're asking me, what are they? They don't know what they are at this point, right? They're still trying to figure that out. Uh, they do have some quality guys. They do have some guys who, who should be here long term. But, you know, there's also plenty of guys on the roster who, you know, you wouldn't expect are going to be here next year or in two years. Uh, they have a lot of upgrades yet to make. But, you know, you, you see some promise. You see some encouraging signs. And, um, yeah, they just need to continue building up the roster. They need to continue getting experience. And, um, you know, I don't think they're necessarily that far away from being back to being a playoff team. Uh, do I think that'll happen this year? You know, uh, I, I could see them theoretically making the play in. Uh, I, I frankly don't see them being anything other than, you know, a 7 through 10 seed with, with an outside shot and making it. Uh, but, you know, again, we're seeing growth. We're seeing encouraging signs. And um, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens over the next few days and how that kind of uh, shapes the, the seasons to come. All right, man. One more time, tell our listeners where they can now go find you and read your uh, coverage of the Jazz. Yeah, I'm freelancing for KSL.com, so I will have intermittent articles coming up there. And uh, on Twitter or X or whatever it's called, I am at Esoteric Walden. All right, my guy. Appreciate the time. Have a great week. We'll chat soon, okay? All right. Take care, son. Eric Walden, now over at KSL. That's brought to you by Les Olson IT, your office technology partner, specializing in office equipment of all kinds. They've got wide-format printers. They've got office desktop, desktop telephones, computers and servers, outsourced IT services, network cabling, security cameras, and security systems, serving Utah for over 67 years. Now, Les Olson IT has eight locations conveniently located throughout Utah to provide local service to their customers. So check them out. Any of their locations, you can check them out online, too. Les Olson IT is a proud supporter of the U of U Athletics and their student-athletes. 3244 South, 300 West here in Salt Lake City or online at lesolson.com. All right, don't forget, we still have Zach Harper uh, joining us coming up. Dave Fox in the 4 o'clock hour, too. But coming up next, some breaking news about a new streaming service uh, between ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers, who owns TNT. Streaming is going to become cable. That's, that's where it is. So we'll talk about it. It means you're going to have to figure out a new subscription service of some sort. We'll fill you in with that. Uh, do more on the Super Bowl. Get you ready for the Jazz game tonight. BYU's taking on Oklahoma. Uh, so a lot to do. We also have two tickets to give away to the Utah women's basketball game. As they take on Oregon, we've got $25 to be a 313 pizza. We'll do that coming up next. So keep it right here on ESPN 700. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 
that I texted you about Lauren Hill Tuesdays. Did that last night, watching some hoop, and uh, it slipped my mind. Why'd you forget? I was watching basketball, dialed in. See, when I watch ball, when I grind tape, I know, look, I just want you to learn, okay? Mm -hmm. My whole goal is to, like, bring you along, teach you the ways. Uh, I know you can't relate to the way I grind on tape, but I I know that you watch tape. I know that you watch film. So now that I've been able to get you into that space, I want to talk about how I grind on it. Right. Right, right. Two right. TVs, laptop, you know, you got to have the DVR, fast forward, rewind. You know, I basically view myself as the czar of the telestrator like Marv, uh, like uh, Mike Fratello used to be. There you go. Right. So I'm not bragging. I want to be clear. Like, the listener's like, what an arrogant job. I'm just, I- I'm sticking to the facts. I'm, this is not like me talking in a way that I want people to be. Imp- I'm just telling you what it, what it looks like. When I'm there, hours in the lab, just grinding on tape. I mean, just so you know, just so you know. Yeah, yeah. Now, remember, I want you to stick to facts. I've don't, got don't don't be braggadocious. That's something that turns people off. I've got three screens going Ooh, okay. usually. Okay. The laptop, nice. the stats, mm-hmm. um, and Spence either hitting the row machine or the or the cycle. So I'm I'm, I'm getting movement in. And I'm grinding on tape. You're what do getting, you think about that? You're getting a sweat while you're grinding? Yeah. That's impressive. I'll okay. even take notes while I'm, while I'm on the bike. That's impressive. But anyway, I texted you last night and totally forgot, and it was only because I was grinding on tape. That's the only reason. Strictly. Yes. Um, all right. So there is some breaking news. This is Andrew Marchand, who does a good job reporting on the media, which is a new way to make a living. I guess we're all just trying to do that. Uh, Andrew was with the New York Post for quite some time. He's now over with The Athletic, covering sports media. And Andrew is reporting some breaking news that ESPN, Fox, and Warner Brothers Sports are starting a joint streaming service in what is being characterized as a landmark agreement. Uh, So Warner Brothers Sports owns Turner. They own TNT. And right now, all three of these platforms have separate streaming services. Streaming is going to become cable. We are going to land with streaming where we've been with cable television for years. Doesn't it feel that way? I mean, and here's the problem, okay, at least for grinders like us. The fact of the matter is, and I always talk about the scene from The Office when Jim and Pam go watch a movie with Andy Bernard because Andy knows how... You know, Jim does this thing where it's like, we know it's illegal, but ultimately they land on, we don't know how to do it, he does. Okay, so I know that there's a way to go about getting all this stuff. I don't know how to do it. And that, honestly, I'm not sure that I want to run the risk. I had a buddy who started something years ago. Everybody joined it where they could get free movies. And for whatever reason, maybe I just tripped too much. I just pictured somebody knocking on my door and being like, you are illegally streaming things you need to pay for, so you are going to jail. I'm quite sure that's not going to happen because I know several people that can go about their business of getting this stuff for free. I pay for all of it, man, because I feel like I need it for the job. I can't strictly go YouTube TV because I'll miss jazz games, right? So the fact of the matter is, whatever this thing is going to look like, I'm probably going to end up getting it. I think it's always been the natural end game, right? We started 
this streaming, uh, cutting the cord, if you will, uh, this movement where it was, you know, it was either HBO or Netflix or Hulu, but then even those services starting to started to get into the TV game, right? Where they're playing sitcoms. Some of them got into the live sports game. And when that happened, all the live sports folks were like, oh, we got to get into this, right? This is, this is where we have to land. Now all the live sports folks have their own streaming platforms. And like you, I have HBO. I have YouTube TV. I have ESPN Plus. I have all of these streaming services. So it has become cable in a bunch of different non-bundled services. So the natural progression would be that, as in all forms of capitalism, they would all end up monopolizing and being under maybe not one roof, but close to it, at least closer to it. So, yeah, uh, I, I think it, it it's frustrating. It's annoying. But it was always the natural progression where we went from cable or satellite to cable or satellite through an Internet connection. <laughs> that, that, that's all it is. It's all it's going to be. It was just always going to be a little bit of a funky transition and a transition where we were all going to get gouged so that all those services could make some money for 10 years. So there's a little bit more information coming out here, and this is from Alex Sherman, who works for CNBC. I'm sure I'm triggering people by talking about CNBC in Salt Lake City. Uh, essentially, it's a one-product new company co-owned by Disney, Warner Brothers, and Fox, and the, pro- and the product is a what's being characterized as a skinny bundle of all of their linear networks that show sports in one form or another. So it doesn't look like this would include Disney Plus. It looks like it's a sports-only situation. Uh, as I referenced, Warner Brothers does own Turner. So TNT will be involved in this. So it'll be ESPN, TNT, and Fox. Uh, and, you know, these aren't companies that are known for playing nice with each other. So, you know, as with all this stuff, the bottom line is the bottom line, and the man with the gold makes the rules. So I, uh, I'd imagine they've done the calculations and understand how much money can actually be made. So there you go. Uh, some some news that will affect you if you do enjoy. Uh, if you do enjoy watching sports, you're going to have to figure out this uh, this new space and traverse it and probably pay more money for it because I guess that's how the world works. All right. So if anything else comes out on that, we'll get to it. We still have Zach Harper. He's going to join us. We have Dave Fox as well. Started things off today with Matt Collar for some pro football. He just wrote a book on pro football focus live in Las Vegas on Radio Row. Our buddy Eric Walden stopped by. In addition to that, Eric is now over at uh, KSL doing some blogging for them on the Jazz after a number of years with the Trib. Uh, so we'll get to some of that stuff. Uh, we do have the news on Joel Embiid, and it's actually not bad. It's four weeks. Um, some weird stuff with this reporting, though. Uh, a lot of inconsistencies. And, of course, when it comes to procedures and surgeries, you do have to wait uh, to hear what the doctors have to say after it's kind of done. So there you go. Embiid's going to be out four weeks. And if you're a Philly fan, that's probably very welcome news. They're good enough to stay in it without him and then hope that they get him back come spring for playoff uh, for playoff action, I think, is probably uh, where they're at. I don't know that they'll do anything at the deadline. I think they're probably going to try to stay afloat and just get Embiid back. Uh, Trey Young and Scotty Barnes have been added to the All-Star team as injury replacements for Embiid and Julius Randle. Uh, so there you go. No real news on the Western side of things because Lowry has to be on the short list. When it comes to replacing a potential injured Western Conference All-Star, Ricky Rubio has rejoined Barcelona through the end of the season. Ricky retired from the NBA, uh, citing mental health issues. And Barcelona 
uh, is where he kind of got going. I believe that was the original club where Ricky kind of blew up as a 14-year-old prodigy. Uh, won an Olympic silver in 2008, bronze in 2012, and we had Ricky here, and he's everything you think he is, man. He was the best uh, to have him here for sure. All right, we have to give away now, or we get to. We don't have to. We get to because we're men of the people, and we want to take care of our listeners. We're going to give away $25 to Via 313 Pizza. <clears throat> Excuse me. Locations in Lehigh, Orm, Sandy, Riverton, Murray, uh, genuine Detroit-style pizza. They offer catering and online ordering via their website, which is via313.com. Shout-out to their buddy, our buddy Brandon Hunt, their co-founder. And we also have two tickets to give away for the Utah women's basketball game uh, against Oregon coming up. So the text line is 877-353-0700, 877-353-0700. Should we do a fun Super Bowl random question? Do, do we need some hot takes from the listeners today? What do you think? A hot jazz trade deadline take? I would like that. Let's do a hot jazz trade deadline take. Okay, and we don't call. You guys are calling. Don't do that. This isn't middays. We don't take calls. It's a text line. Okay, eight seven seven three five three zero seven hundred. We'll do. We'll do. You know what we'll do? We'll do this. We will propose the framework of the two deals that are out there and have been reported by people that I guess do the stuff. One is Clarkson to New York. For the Fournier contract and a first-round pick. Okay, what that gives you is salary relief. Fournier's deal expires and another pick to add to the treasure trove. The other report from Jake Fisher, who I, I don't know if he's good at that. I don't know if he's like a reliable. I have, honestly have no clue. He's on Mark Stein's podcast. He seems to have a lot of followers, people listen to what he says. And Jake on Mark's podcast said the Jazz are one of two teams that made a serious play for DeJounte Murray. So what that signals is two different directions. Which one would you like? Do you want to see the Jazz add to? DeJounte Murray is a good player who's young, who can step in here and play right away. The Jazz do need uh, better uh, length on the perimeter. It's why Simone gets so much time. He's built different than the – and Simone's a good player, but his size is what makes him valuable because the Jazz have a lot of undersized perimeter players. So DeJounte would help right away. It would improve the bottom line of the team. On the other side, Clarkson deal – would just add another pick and more salary relief. As much as cap space is nice, fans don't cheer for cap space, right? So which one would you prefer? Which direction? Are you on board with this long build, or do you want to see them add two prior to Thursday? 877-353-0700. Text in your thoughts. The best one, you know, we'll pick. We'll pick uh, to give you $25 to be a 313 pizza and two tickets for the Utah women's game against Oregon. Which route would you prefer that they take prior to Thursday? Uh, of course, it... it- does depend on the framework of the deal, right? What the Jazz have to send to get that back is a, is a big deal. I think maybe it's because of Trey Young and, and playing with Trey Young and, and how difficult that sometimes is. I think some folks have, have kind of cooled off on DeJounte Murray. I still think that in the right system, with the right usage, that's a player that I would really like on my roster. If I'm the Jazz, you can get a 26, 27-year-old that is... That type of player, I do it. I know you have Keontae George. I know you have some guards that you're comfortable with, but I do like that piece. And at some point, Spence, you do have to cash in on those draft picks. You do have to get players out of those draft picks. And DeJounte Murray is also a guy that if it doesn't work out in the long term, he has a a, a contract that is uh, friendly enough that the Jazz could move off of him in the next two or three years if they wished as well. You know, DeJounte is an interesting player. I am with you because I do think that there's a lot to like. He is 27, turned 27 in September. 
Uh, he has been an all-star once in his career. He is every bit of 6'5". Uh, he's a little slender, but I talked about this yesterday. When it comes to analyzing some of these wings, I think we get in our heads about how big they are. We want the measurements. You want them to be long, right? And he is uh, a very good athlete. He can guard when he decides to guard. Uh, he had a great start to his career in San Antonio, and then Greg Popovich traded him because he saw Victor Wembanyama play. All-NBA defensive second team in 2018. He led the league in steals. Uh, and you know what? He's a Pac-12 kid. I mean, he was out here at UW. He was born in Seattle. That's home for him. Obviously, Salt Lake is not Seattle. But you just also have to wonder, from DeJounte Murray's standpoint, the two rumors out there, according to Jake Fisher, is either the Lakers or the Jazz. And if he gets Salt Lake over Los Angeles, what is that? What does that say? Like, what does that say to DeJounte Murray? I, I don't love that narrative that nobody likes it here because I think it's good living in Salt Lake City. But we know the deal. We know the way people talk about Salt Lake, certainly around the NBA. And, you know, obviously Quinn Snyder is in Atlanta now, and we had Quinn here for nine years. And Porter makes good points, I think, about trying to analyze other players with the way that they play when they're playing next to Trey because it is such a ball-dominant system out of necessity because that's Trey Young's skill set. And he's good at it to the point where you believe that you can lean into it and get results because sometimes you do, and sometimes Trey just goes off. You know, Trey's at 27 points. He's at 11 assists. So far this year, DeJounte Murray in in, uh, 49 games played, so he's been durable and healthy. About 21 points a game, five boards, five assists. The numbers are awesome. Uh, He's very productive. He's a good player. Uh, He's a good player. So what would the framework be, though? Because I... I mean, maybe Atlanta's going to yard sale. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe Atlanta has seen enough, and they've done the calculus, and they say, look, we're sitting here at 22 and 28. Uh, you know, they've just been up and down. Uh, it was a fun game to watch them against the Clips, but they're not guarding anybody. They don't have great defensive personnel, and DeJounte's one of their better perimeter defensive players. So what would Atlanta ask for in return? Uh, because the reports have been pretty vague. Uh, and unless Atlanta, like I said, is yard selling, uh, yard selling excuse me, and they want draft capital, and they want salary relief to try to pivot and recalibrate and do something else around Trey. So I, I don't know. Those are the reports out there. So let's hear what you guys have to say. Do you want the Jazz to continue the asset allocation, uh, situ- or excuse me, the asset building process to get more picks and salary relief? Or do you want them to add to the roster to bring in a guy like DeJounte Murray, 877-353-0700? Best text wins $25 to via 313 Pizza and two tickets to watch the women's basketball team take on Oregon. All right, before we catch a break, Valentine's Day, guys, right around the corner. Don't drop the ball. Okay, get ready for it. Uh, you're going to find everything you need at Harmon's for Valentine's Day. Harmon's is the place for flowers, orchids, roses, bouquets, all kinds of flower arrangements online, and also a bunch of great options in store. A few examples of what you can do at Harmon's this Valentine's season. Flowers and, flowers and orchids, of course, are the great things you're going to find, all price ranges. They also have specialty chocolates. V chocolates and true fruit, fresh packed candies and nuts, cupcakes, pastries and tarts. They've got a red velvet cheese ball only this time of year. You can take a cooking class with your significant other. They've got New York State's steaks, excuse me, prime beef, scallops, wild fresh shrimp, garlic shrimp, crab oscar, sautéed mushrooms, strawberries, limited time only with the heart-shaped strawberry tray. So check it out. Any of Harmon's locations across the Wasatch Front, you can also order online at harmonsgrocery.com. All right, two hours down, two hours to go. Zach Harper is our guest coming up next right here on ESPN 700. And host of the Cinephobe podcast, ESPN 700 welcomes Zach Harper with the NBA Daily Assist.
Jazz are in action tonight. They're taking on Oklahoma City. OKC is in town. If you've not seen that team play, it's worth the price of admission. Well, depending on the ticket, uh, these tickets are very expensive. It's worth going down. You want to watch the Jazz, of course, but OKC, very good. BYU in action, taking on Oklahoma. Utah will have Arizona on Thursday. Our next guest, you know him, you love him. NBA's daily assist style, Zach Harper. On a Tuesday, Zach, what's going on, man? They love me? I don't know if that's true. Yeah, you know. Like me, tolerate, you know. I think you accurately uh, split the audience, which is the goal. That's what you want to do. I think you want about 50% to love, 50% to hate, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that. Well, that's not my goal, but it is the industry (laughs) goal for sure. What is your goal, Zach, both as a personality and in life? Let's let's get into this. I just want to have fun doing this stuff, you know. Everyone gets so, like, someone got mad at, some Bucks fan got mad at me on Twitter for not believing in the Bucks, I'm like, all right, man, look, go believe in the Bucks. Then, like, <laughs> what do I care? I'm not trying to convince. I'm just telling you how I feel. I just like to have fun about basketball. I like to make jokes. I like to watch basketball, and that's really all it should be, you know. We kind of do the job in similar fashion. I can remember there yeah. was a really entertaining, fun kid out here who worked for the Jazz named Trey Camberling, and now he's working for um uh, for a fantasy sports website. And we have him on to talk fantasy football and. Uh, when I first met him, we were playing a little golf, and I asked him, I said, Trey, what's the goal, man? What do you want to do? And what he said was just, it was perfect. He's like, I want to make as much money I ca- as I can while working the least amount possible. I'm like, Trey, you can kick him, man. We can hang out, right? So, like, <laughs> none of this stuff is serious, and people take it way too seriously. Uh, and I do think at the end of the day, you know, I respect people who just go try to do something, do it with enjoyment and do it with enthusiasm and passion and don't take it very seriously in our space. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overplayed by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, like, I've had, like, just to, you know, clue you in on something that the audience doesn't care about. I've had a leak in my apartment for, like, over a year. It hasn't been, you know, fixed. Mm-hmm. And then it's raining like crazy in L.A. right now, so the leak is now evident again it only happens when it really rains hard and like you know i could get upset about all, all this stuff but that's not going to fix the leak apparently maintenance isn't going to fix the leak either you know it's just here just, just radical acceptance just enjoy, yeah. enjoy the moment you know day to day and don't sweat all the crap that makes people crazy here's where i want to start today zach because you know you do you do a lot of work with shams you know you do a yeah. lot of podcast writing and and you know this time of year when we're just a couple of days from the trade deadline the ecosystem has developed in such a way where for me it's like okay if Woj has it or shams has it that's kind of like all of our north stars it doesn't mean they're the only people that get 
information, but what it what it's turned into, like, I don't know Jake Fisher, so I'm not going to sit here and say anything about his work because I don't know him. Uh-huh. Uh, but what I where, where we're at here is, and if you know Jake, feel free to educate me as to whether or not he's a name that I should add to the shams and the woges of the world. But Jake Fisher went on Mark Stein's podcast because the business has now turned into we have to cover what other media members are reporting, right? And he outlined a situation where the Jazz are one of two teams that have made a serious inquiry about DeJounte Murray, but nobody on the ground here can corroborate that. So I, I, I don't know what to make of it. So I, I just wonder what you make of this dynamic of how we cover this stuff now and whether or not you know we should be reporting on rumors from certain people. I honestly don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I, I don't know what to do with it either, to be honest. Like I and that's not a knock on Jake at all. Like I've talked to Jake a couple of times on like radio shows or podcasts. He seems informed, he seems good at his job, but also this is a space and I'm not talking about him here, I'm talking about myself included, where people feed you information hoping you will get it out there because it benefits somebody. Right. And so like I, you know, I've gotten thrown plenty of information over the last couple of weeks and I don't know what to do with it. I like I'm I'm too lazy to go to go like double check it because I figure well Shams has this probably three months ago anyway. So what am I gonna do here? You know, like I like hearing stuff, but it's you know to to run with something you got to be really sure, or at least that that's how I feel. And and I'm just always skeptical of like why did you give me information? You know, like I'm not I'm not Woj, I'm not I'm not Shams, I'm not Mark Stein. Like why did you give me information? And I just I've I around this time of year and around the draft and and maybe free agency too, I believe in trusting nothing and believing every rumor because it's fun. Yes. And also as a sports talk radio host, thank you, Jake Fisher, because now Zach and I get to talk about DeJounte Murray for 10 minutes, whether or not it's real, because that's just the game. Um, Free content. Right. So let's lean into it. Okay. Let's lean into it and let's operate off the premise that Jake got good intel and the jazz are, interested in DeJounte Murray if that's the case Zach it signals intent in a way that I wasn't expecting so your thoughts on that and then tell jazz fans your opinion on DeJounte Murray the player and what they could expect if this thing actually goes down yeah I mean on DeJounte like I'm a big DeJounte guy I think he's really good like I don't think he's you know an all-star I think he's one of those kind of like star role players or maybe like borderline all-stars that will probably never get there um, I think he can be a really good defender. I don't think he has been in Atlanta. He was in San Antonio. He's developed a really impressive offensive game. There's not a whole lot he doesn't do well, but there's not a lot he does great. And so I think for the contract, you know, it depends on what the trade package would be. I think it's, I, I mean, I think a lot of teams should try to add DeJounte. And to be fair, I thought the Hawks really were going to up their game once they acquired him. And it's been, one big wet fart because that's the Hawks, right? Like that's just what it is when it comes to, to the Hawks acquiring guys like that Hawks team has so much talent and they're so mediocre and I can't, I can't figure it out with, with DeJounte on, on the jazz potentially, I think it's the right kind of guy to pair with what they have, you know, it depends on what they'd have to give up, but you're assuming they keep George in this. And I, I think that's a good guard to put next to him. It's a good guard to, make George kind of have to earn minutes against. I, I I firmly believe in creating competition for minutes, you know, when it when it's a healthy development environment like the Jazz have. And so I think, you know, depending on the asking price, I think DeJounte on the Jazz is a great idea because this team clearly isn't going anywhere. They're not trying to tank. They're not trying to um fall down. Like they're they're going for this playoff spot and and I do think he would help. 
For the other deal, the framework of the other deal, and I asked you about this last week, so let's just kind of revisit it because it's topical, because we're 48 hours away, is the Bobby Marks proposed trade that he wrote about then talked about on this show, which is Clarkson to New York for the Fournier contract and uh, also a first. So you have two different ideologies there. And part of me wonders if, and I honestly don't know this, Zach. I mean, part of me wonders if, Clarkson's in a spot at the age of 31, as I believe the oldest player on the roster, that just wants to go somewhere where he can win. I I don't even know if that's how he works, quite frankly. He seems to be kind of a pretty esoteric guy that likes to enjoy where his feet are at, and people love him here. Uh, But what what do you make of that, juxtaposed to the other option that would indicate that, yes, they're still in, you know, acquiring asset mode as opposed to adding to the group immediately? I think I would look at that as, like, maybe these two – moves are related you know like yeah, if they, if they point, make yeah. that clarkson move you're acquiring another first is that used to go get to jante murray maybe you know like i it kind of feels like a move before the move um which is always interesting to try to figure out with a lot of teams like uh, if the jazz just do that and they they move clarkson off and um they get a first and you know whatever that they would wave at him for i'm assuming like he's he's not really helpful um that opens up more playing time for Colin Sexton, who's been really good. Obviously, Keontae's been good, and that opens up more playing time for him. Um, you can kind of explore more within the rotation. It takes a major piece out of it, but I think you believe, if you're the Jazz, it's worth removing that veteran because you think you can keep up this level of play, or it's a good test for the young guys. And even if you don't, they got good experience in upping their role and, and upping their minutes. So let's dig into, you know, again, operating off the hypothetical, if this thing is real, would would it be Atlanta yard selling and just saying, all right, we've got to pivot. It's not working. Let's get a glut of picks. You know, let's let's not look to add talent to let's, you know, send DeJounte on to a team that has a ton of assets like the Jazz. And then there they will start their build. Is that the most likely scenario? Or if they're moving off DeJounte, do they want guys that can step in and play well right away? I think they're looking for guys who can step in and play right away. Like, you know, they're 10th in the East and, you know, not comfortably ahead of, of Brooklyn. But, you know, I think you would you should feel good about their chances. I mean, this Hawks team is just so weird because, again, like they have a good coach, right? Quinn's a good coach. They've got an all-star in Trey Young, our, our long-lived national crisis that is Trey Young was not immediately picked for the all-star game is is over, thankfully. <laughs> And they've got a lot of talent. They've got defensive players. They've got offensive players. It just doesn't work. And maybe that's a Trey Young thing. I don't know. But I think this Hawks team wouldn't be just in this fire sale. I think they would be retooling because this this DeJounte Murray addition did not yield what it was supposed to. And you still have enough talent to kind of move some things around and and figure out how to keep moving up the East standings. Even if you you move him on somewhere else, they still have a lot of talent. Okay, so outside of those two deals, and you've got a piece up the athletic now when you're, you're tearing the teams and you're talking about the potential of uh, maybe them making some moves or standing pat, any other thoughts on what we could see from the Jazz prior to the deadline on Thursday? I, I think that they're if they're not going for a big swing like that, I, I kind of think that they'll be one of those teams that just gets in the mix as a third or fourth team on a lot of deals that are proposed and whether those come to fruition or not. You know, the Jazz are just in a position where they can take on contracts. They can uh, take on picks for bad contracts. And, and that's kind of where you want to be in a rebuild. Like, you know, they've been more competitive than I thought they would be. And obviously this, you know, second 
third of the of the season has has really changed a lot of what's expected out of them the rest of the season but this is a team that's set up to make moves that just keep acquiring assets it's very okc-ish in that way and i and i think that i would expect them to be extremely active even if it's not a major player you good? We got we got five zero outside. Everything. Good? I don't know. There, okay. there was a there was a an, an emergency alert yesterday, and then it stopped raining, and it just started raining again. Like there's some flooding in the streets, but I think we're good. I don't. I don't think that was for me. Los Angeles, an emergency alert when it rains. You people never no, see too. Uh, let me say that. this: it's raining a crazy amount. We can't. It is raining a crazy amount, Zach. The valley is not set up for it. Okay, and that's the point. Okay, we can land on that point. We can't do the weather thing when I'm doing radio in Salt Lake and you live in LA. We can't do that, Zach. I'm just... not saying I'm not saying the weather's where I'm just saying the it's raining a lot. This isn't a drizzle. It's raining inches. There's rivers running through the streets right now. There are sharks on avenues and boulevards. Well, that's pro- part's probably not true, but you never know. You never know where those sharks are gonna go from the ocean. Just the the drama. It's why you live in yeah, Hollywood. It's LA, baby. It's, 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 and no. it, you know, I, I for about a, a year and a half, you know, the podcast company I was working with was on Sunset, and I would stay at the Standard. And oh, I love the Standard. The, yeah. the Standard's a little crackheady, but we can, you know, it's fine. It's an acceptable hotel. Uh, and you know, it's about a half a mile walk to the studio. And one day it was raining, but I had to go. And I'm a I'm a grown up that knows how to put on a coat. And uh-huh. so I walked down Sunset to get to the podcast studio. People looked at me like I had eight heads because I was walking in the rain. And it wasn't heavy rain. It was just rain. Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. Like, Wait, it's, it's are, a great place to those, live. Are you one of those psychos that owns an umbrella? Because I think that's so wrong. I am. Not, I do not own an umbrella. Okay. Uh, but, yes, as a result of living where I live, where we actually have a weather system, I am properly prepared to deal with things that life throws at normal people and grown-ups, Zach. We, look, this is the second straight year that we have had a lot of rain. Oh my god. Okay? Like we're not we're not built for this. We're built like the reason our taxes are so high is because we're we're here to live off amazing weather and it's been ruined days at a time every year or so. Oh my gosh. All right, man. Anyway. Oh, and prayers. Okay, yes, yes. Well, hang in there, buddy. Hang in there. Okay. Off the Jazz, just give me, like, the most likely team to be active and some players that you're hearing about that genuinely you think could be moved that actually, may, you know, could make a difference in the league. I mean, I, I think that Detroit and Washington are trying to move guys. <laughs> the, the idea that Killian Hayes wants out, like, I'm sure Detroit wants him, <laughs> wants him out too. James Wiseman apparently wants out. Yeah, I'm sure Detroit wants him out too. Um, I think Tyus Jones is going to be, I don't know if he's going to be the biggest player, but maybe the most important player moved at the deadline. I could see Minnesota, you know, offering up a bunch of second round picks and trying to get him in there. And and then maybe he replaces Conley this summer as, as they resign him. Um, Cause I think they're both free agents. I think Kuz can be on the move. Um, you know, Monty Morris hasn't really played in Detroit uh, since they acquired, or maybe hasn't played at all, but I think that's a guy that, that teams would love to have as a backup point guard. You know, I, I think we're going to see role players moved. I don't think we're going to see, anybody other than maybe DeJounte Murray that's all that high profile like I guess Bruce Brown is expected to be on the move Wiggins might be on the move uh, but I I think we're going to have kind of a a deflating trade deadline like I think all of our big trades have happened since September like we've had 10 trades so far since September and some major ones and I think that's that's where the fireworks were so the other night, uh, Milwaukee was in town, happy for my friend Doc Rivers to earn the honor of coaching the Eastern Conference All-Star team. Happy for Doc. Uh, what are they, 1-3 since he took over? Uh, Jazz were down 19 
in the second quarter and just stormed back. Now, Milwaukee was without Middleton and Lopez. Brooke Lopez, Robin played, didn't go well for our guy, but, you know, that's kind of the deal. Um, so give me your thoughts on this Doc stuff and all of the crazy storylines involved. I guess he's going to give Adrian Griffin his all-star bonus in the ring. Uh, I'm not sure that Adrian's going to pick up the phone. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I'll tell you this. Doc is a master manipulator. Like, he knows. He sure is, The whole man. press, he's like, I wouldn't wish this on anyone. I'm like, I would have coached Giannis and Dame and have an awesome roster. Like, don't do that, Doc. And I love Doc. I really do. But uh, give me the take. What's the Zach Harper take? I wrote about this in the bounce, our free newsletter. From I know you did. Uh, Theathletic.com slash the bounce. Sign up for free in your uh, mailbox. Uh, Mountain time would be around uh, 9 a.m. every every morning. Um it's it's so stupid. I'm like I'm sorry. I'm not buying this. And I wrote this like I don't think Doc is a bad guy, but I'm not buying him as the aw shucks good guy here. It's so dumb. I would wish this on anybody. Coaching the two seed with Damon Giannis, like you meant you wouldn't wish that on anybody. Like and he and you know oh I I don't think it's right for us to take over as the all star. So I'm gonna have his staff, my guys that I brought in. Where we'll go on vacation. You know, we'll go golfing. We'll go on vacation. I'm going to give him the bonus. It's so tired. It's such a fake good guy stance. Like, you took over the team. Embrace it. Win some games. Coach some defense. Like, it's – this is an opportunity. That there's only 30 of them, right? You got you got knocked out of one. You decided to pick up another one. That's fine. That's the business. Quit doing the – quit trying to win us over. Just go coach. Like, that's all I want from him. It's so stupid. It's such a, a tired act. And, and, you know, ultimately, you know, I, I still think Dame is ours here because he played his college ball. So I'd like to watch Dame and support Dame and all that. So I've watched him quite a bit. And I just don't – and I could be completely wrong because Dame's awesome and Giannis is Giannis and they've got a great, great roster. And, you know, we all know the deal with the leads that Doc has given up and we know that he's also won a championship. So who knows how it's going to play out. I don't view them as Boston's peer. I don't view them no. as Denver's peer. You know what I mean? Like – who who are they? Like, how do you think this thing plays out? Um, I I don't know, and I know that's not a great answer to your question. Like, I I still believe that the peak of this team can win a championship. I just don't know how likely it is that they can even approach that peak. Like, they they can't defend anybody. Their backcourt is so bad defensively. It's not just Dame. Malik Beasley's been awful. You know, when they play campaign, he's awful defensively. Like, they they just can't stop at the point of attack and. You know, Doc can put in the drop coverage and they can stick to that and they can protect the paint and great, but their problem in the past has been they get torched from three-point range in the playoffs, right? And and they're set up to have that happen again. The way this works out is, one, health. They're going to have to be healthy, and Chris Middleton's going to have to be very active and very physically capable to be close to the player he used to be. And two, that offense is just going to have to be so good. Like, I know this sounds like basic analysis, but they're just going to have to go outscore everybody else. Like, that's the way that they win. They're not going to be able to create a good defense, maybe a mediocre defense. Maybe they can get up to an average defense in this short amount of time. But for the most part, they just have to go be an even better offense than they've been. And they've been great offensively, but that's what it's going to take for them to win a championship. As you remind us almost every year, Clippers going to clip, Zach. Clippers going to clip. I know that, but... Okay, I mean, look, let's let's get into it. I, you know, I, I try to watch Atlanta games because I want to watch Quinn coach. But sure. you know, ultimately, uh, watching that game last night was tremendously entertaining. Uh, you addressed this last week when you have Kawhi, it changes things, and he's been healthy and he's played well. You know, the the, the two two of the guys that I've always just believed like it's going to be tough to win a, a ring when. 
Harden and Westbrook are if either of them are on your team and they both are. So it's just kind of a mind screw for me because I've always just kind of been in that camp. And we've seen literally James Harden 100 percent quit when things get hard in the postseason. But Westbrook is coming off the bench. He's playing like 22 minutes a night, and that's a good role for him now that he's accepted it. I don't know, man. we got to revisit this because they're the best team in the league since December 1. Where are you at with the Clippers right now, Zach? Uh, man, you know, I like the role that Westbrook has embraced. And, yeah, he'll still have some questionable plays, but he's actually playing defense for maybe the first time in, like, 14 years. Like, yeah. it's been a while since, since Russ has played defense like this. And so I like that he's willing to sacrifice and just fill in that role. They've got good size. Look, I don't believe in Harden either. Right. Like I, I think that he is someone that is not afraid of the moment, but when it gets tough, he just kind of taps out, you know, he's like, oh, I got my money. I got my MVP. I'm fine. And we've never really seen him play with a guy who can take over consistently in the playoffs and be that guy. Je- like Joel Embiid is not that guy historically in the playoffs has not been that guy. And so he wasn't able to carry Harden in that way and obviously it didn't work out in Brooklyn with the injuries and everything and it didn't work out in Houston because he was the guy Kawhi's that guy like yes you're you have to convince yourself that Kawhi is going to be with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Healthy for the full postseason run and that that's going to be enough. But I'm a Kawhi guy. Like, I believe in him. And if he's healthy, I think he's the second best player in the world. And the way he's playing this year has been incredible. I think Kawhi is good enough to be hardened proof when it gets down to it. It's just whether or not he's going to be injury-free or healthy enough like we saw in Toronto. Yeah, and, and you know, the the best offense in the league. And when they're clicking, they're really clicking. We got OKC in town tonight, Zach, and they continue to show that maybe we need to talk about them in a different way. Uh, we've talked about this in the past. I'm always one who kind of steeps any sort of prediction, and I've seen you do that before, so I believe you can do that again. And when we come to the postseason, this will be their first run together, uh, but they have been high level. Tell Jazz fans, if they're going to the game tonight, what they're going to see in OKC and give me your thoughts on them big picture. Man, they are relentless they are. in the way they attack the basket. I mean, it, it's so impressive. It's not just Shea Gilgis Alexander. You know, it's Jalen Williams. It's uh, it's Josh Giddy. It's Chet Holmgren. It's Isaiah Joe off closeouts. Casey Wallace, uh, you know, as as a backup. Like just everybody attacks the basket. They spread the floor so well. They move without the ball. 
Once they get into the middle of the paint, they force you to make a tough decision and they kick it out. And that next guy is driving against your sloppy closeout. Like you have to be so disciplined against them. Now they don't have great size. And I do think that the jazz could actually beat them up inside a little bit. I think marketing can get homegrown into, into foul trouble. I think Olenek can be really difficult for, for the, the thunder to, to kind of deal with just from a, a strength standpoint. I actually think the, the thunder acquiring Kelly Olenek would be, a great move for them if that was even possible at the deadline. Um, but this man, this Thunder team is just so talented and so athletic and so good at attacking. And if the Jazz have any kind of fissures on defense, like it, it's just going to be a really long night for them. All right. Uh, before I set you loose, Zach, um, let's see here. Let's let's dig into where you're at overall with the West right now. Before I set you loose, uh, and you know we do revisit this, and it looked for a minute like Phoenix maybe was going to play their way back in. I know you feel like you've been a little bit stubborn on them. Maybe you're still there. Uh, I told you I did the lazy thing. Celtics Nuggets is my finals prediction. Yeah. Uh, and you know, look, look, it it is the regular season certainly, but we're at 50 plus games. Like after tonight, the Jazz are only going to have 30 left. So if I held your feet to the fire, give me the teams in this conference in the West that you feel have a legitimate shot of winning the conference and then ultimately maybe you know winning the NBA Finals. I, I still can't talk myself into the Thunder's first run as a group making it all the way through to the Finals, right? Like that's asking a lot out of them, even as talented as they are. And so I'm, I'm not going to buy into them. I, I'm not going to buy into the Wolves at least winning the West, although I do think they can go to the Conference Finals um, for me, it comes down to, like I, Denver's the best, you know, it's boring, but Denver's the best. And I don't even think they have really tried all that hard this season. I think that's how good they are. I think they're kind of sleepwalking. And I think the Clippers are capable if Kawhi is healthy, maybe Phoenix gets hot and maybe Phoenix is just unguardable and, and that works out and, and it might take an injury from an opponent for that to happen. I don't really believe in anybody else. Like I, you know, Kings can be dangerous, but not great. Uh, Pelicans can be dangerous, but not great. You know, miss me with the Mavs and the Lakers and the Jazz and the Warriors and the Rockets if if they make it. Like I, I think this is essentially a two and a half team race with maybe maybe OKC can can defy the odds. I lied to you. I have one more quick one because I've got to ask if you're believing in the Knicks. I mean, you know, when it, when the Knicks are even decent, I like hear from all my buddies that I grew sure. up with. You know, it's like. So, and we had Mike Breen on yesterday. I'm telling you that because I'm a name dropper. It's not a big deal. You can go check out the podcast. Uh, but nine of ten, uh, Jalen's awesome. Uh, the calcul the calculus probably comes down to what you think of Randall as far as whether or not you think it's real. But what's their peak? What's their ceiling? What's the ceiling in in New York this year? Yeah, that podcast I can get wherever I get podcasts. Right? Yeah, wherever Just you get shows, okay, great okay. reviews, subscribe, whatever you know, yeah. boring stuff. Um, Man, I want to believe in the Knicks so bad. I'm kind of believing in the Knicks. Like, I think Jalen Brunson's awesome. I think that they have – I like to describe them to my friends, and I'll just put on the radio. I don't care. Uh, I say the Knicks have a lot – like, a lot of really high basketball IQ players and Julius Randle. Like, sure. I just – I can't buy into his game, yeah, right? No. Now, if you want to pick apart what the Knicks have done, they're 21-1 against losing teams, and they're 11-17 and 17 against above 500 teams. Now, I don't know what that number is since the OG trade, but that OG trade – really impressed me with how quickly he adapted. And I look, I don't think the Knicks can win the East, but I think they can make the conference finals. And when's the last time we could say that about them? For me, 1999. And I'm dead serious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, same, right? Yeah.
Yeah, and, and I, I heard a lot of feelings in my honest analysis of my childhood friends. But look, we, go ahead. We, were, we were worried. Last time the Knicks could make the conference finals, we were worried that the, the year going 0-0 on the computers was going to end the world. And you know what? Simpler times. Ironically yes. enough, like, take me back. We don't have time for that today, Zach. I'll set you loose, man. Thanks for the time, bro. Thanks, Vince. Appreciate it. All right, Zach Harper from The Athletic. He writes their weekly power rankings. He's got a good piece up. Does a podcast with Sham. So if you're looking for the athletic basketball coverage, Zach is your guy. He's a hustler. He does count the dings. He's on Sirius XM, has a podcast called Cinephobe. Check him out. Uh, the links to all of his work is up on his Twitter page, which, which is at Talk Hoops. All right. Coming up on the other side, we are going to catch up with Dave freaking Fox. You heard me correct. Two Emmys, two Pelotons. Uh, I was on TV with Dave last night. Uh, we call it Five Questions with Spence. We do it once every couple of weeks. It's streaming right now at KUTV.com if you want to check that out. Uh, so uh, we'll bring in Dave. We've done a lot of pro football today. It is Super Bowl week. Of course, we've done a lot of jazz, too. Uh, so uh, coming up on the other side, we'll bring in Dave, and then we'll move into the 5 o'clock hour of the program on a Tuesday. So keep it right here on ESPN 700. Got the beef jerky down. We're good. Did the thing. Did the thing that I work hard not to do. Threw the beef jerky in with about ten minutes left in the break, but I'm I'm getting through it. I think we're I think we're gonna make it. Just in time for for Dave Fox. Yeah, I think I think you're good there. You're excused. Two Pelotons, two Emmys, on a Tuesday. Uh, Dave, where's the locale? Tell me you're not driving up to Logan in the middle of a canyon with no cell phone reception, please. You know, just for you, because you were so concerned yesterday when you and I were together last night. You said, where are you going to be tomorrow? I said, well, I'm driving to Logan. You said, don't be in the canyon. So you know what I did? I left early just for you. I'm actually sitting in the spectrum right way up at the top. So we have a good cell signal. Uh, plenty early. So I had plenty of, uh, plenty of time and plenty of cell signal to do this. Dave, you are a gentleman and a scholar. Why don't we get it? Since we're in the space, why don't you give us a little preview of uh, of Utah State tonight? You know, we, I had Danny on the show last week. Danny Sprinkle, first time I've been guy. able to interview him. Very impressive. I mean, all these coaches, yeah. you know, when when they're actually in the mood to give you something, you always learn. Uh, Nevada in town, Utah State, the number twenty two team in the country. The Mountain West is good this year. Five bids, according to Bracketology. Tell us about these Aggies and what are you expecting to see tonight. Yeah, the Mountain West is really good this year, Spence. And three ranked teams, the Aggies are the highest, right behind them, San Diego State and New Mexico. But Nevada's a really good team as well. They actually started off the season. When I say start, they ran their record to 15-1. and one. They have gone 2-4 and four in their last six. But that's the nature of this league. It's just a really difficult league. Uh, Nevada's really struggled in this building. They've never beaten the Aggies here in, since they've both been together in the Mountain West. So, you know, I like the Aggies here. You, you talk to Danny. You know what he's done with his team. 13 new players. I mean, last June, they're introducing themselves to each other. They had no idea who they were. And suddenly, he's just, they've bought into his system. He's got great assistant coaches. And, you know, they they had the win streak, ran that to 15 
in a row, and they're just playing really well. And in this building, Spence, you've been in here probably not and recently, but when it gets hopping, it is nuts. It's, you know, 10,000-plus fans right on top of you, and the student section is among the best anywhere. So I expect the Aggies to play well tonight, bouncing back from San Diego State, and, uh, you know, we'll see. Hopefully they get a win. And, it, by the way, it's live on KMYU at 7 o'clock, so you can bounce back and forth between the, the Jazz and the Aggies. I heard you talking earlier about how you do two televisions anyway, right? Two two monitors side by side or whatever the case may be. So you can watch both. Well, I mean, you know, it's just my reputation in the market as a grinder. It's not yeah. something that I bestowed upon myself. It's just like people watch the work and they're like, man, you must work so hard. I'm like, don't right. stop, exactly. stop it. Like, it makes me uncomfortable when people flatter me. Uh, so, but whatever. Uh, yeah, I'll be watching tonight. Yeah, let me ask you this, Dave, in all seriousness, because I talked to uh, I talked to Danny about this. I mean, Larry Eustacey, Stu Morrill, you know, yeah. Coach, Coach Durier never quite got his feet underneath him. You know, my friend Spencer Nelson was on his staff, but then Craig, Ryan, and Danny. Logan has a basketball culture that I don't think is talked about enough. Like, I, I don't know exactly what it is. You mentioned the Spectrum, which is awesome. I think the Spectrum is the best college basketball venue that we have in the state. I would put the Huntsman there when it's full, but right now that the, the atmosphere of the Spectrum is second to none, in my opinion. But culturally like why have they built such a kind of under the radar successful basketball culture up there you know and you're right going all the way back to you Stacey, by the way he really kind of got things going um if i if i can really quick on Stu moral this saturday they're actually honoring him they're going to rename the court uh the Stu moral basketball court and that is very well deserved uh, all his former players of course will be here um but it, it kind of a step let's think about Stu because you know, for, for a, a smaller town like this, sometimes you'll have coaches that will come and go, but Stu stayed, and he loved it here. And he was extremely successful, as you know. And if you can maintain that over the, you know, amount of time that he did, you do build yourself, uh, you know, a bit of a culture that other coaches are able to maintain as long as nobody really completely messes it up. Now they went through, as you know, Craig Smith, uh, a couple coaches in a hurry – uh, and now you got Danny Sprinkle, and so what happens? He's very successful, and everybody starts thinking, well, how long is Danny going to be here? You know, and you never know. In these days of college athletics, whether it's players or, or coaches, every year, you know, there's movement, and people are, are sought after. Ryan Oden was only here, what, a year, and then he went to, uh, where did he go, to Vanderbilt? It's back east somewhere. And you, you just don't know, but you, you feel like the guys that have established this, beginning with Stu, have built something that no matter what happens this year, they'll be able to continue it as long as they get you know a coach who has a basic understanding of, of recruiting in the Mountain West, or what kind of kid they need here in, in Logan, and just keeping this thing rolling. Personally, I hope Danny Sprinkle sticks around for a few years. I'm not trying to say he's not. I'm, I'm not. There's absolutely no indication that he won't. But uh, he's really, I mean, he's turned this program, kept this program going and maybe taken it to that next level, Spence, because of the fact that they had to replace so many players from last year. But, you know, and you know what? Maybe a lot of it is the, the, the building and the students. But, you know, whatever it is, whatever you want you to put your finger on, the longevity of Stu, it has certainly worked for a long, long time. And, you know, Dave, I hate to be this guy, but they're going to lose him. Like, if Danny is this good, they're going to lose him, you know, because he's going to coach these yeah. guys into the tournament, and maybe they get a, an upset or two. 
And then, you know, somebody from the Big 12 or the ACC or whatever is going to hire him. And, and it sucks that that's the ecosystem, but that's the unfortunate reality. Like, you know, they didn't want to lose Craig. They didn't want to lose Ryan. You referenced to who decided to stay. But, you know, Danny's not some Logan lifer. If he continues coaching yeah. them up the way that he is proven that he can do and also recruiting some of these kids that are high-level basketball players, the crummy part about the whole thing is they will lose him. And I, that makes me feel bad for Utah State fans. Yeah, I see what you're saying in that respect. And you, they're great kids, too. Great awesome boards. Just phenomenal. A big, strong kid. Big hands. I mean, he's just he's so good. And then look at a kid like Darius Brown. He's in the master's program right now. While being the senior leader, graduate student leader, he's balancing both and, and doing absolutely great. And uh, you, I, I mean, I, yeah, I hate to even have to go down that path right now in the middle of such a great season. But ultimately... That's what happens when you when you're very very successful. I go all the way back. I remember when Larry Eustace was coaching up in Montana, took him to the NCAA tournament. Suddenly he became the hottest, broadest prospect. And we see it all the time, and it's probably not going to end anytime soon. Can you please unpin and delete your, t- your pin tweet on your Twitter profile? Uh, refresh my oh the slow motion walking thing yeah it's you dj and mikulich walking in slow motion on the delta center court and then looking back at the camera can you i need you to unpin it and i need you to delete it or else i'm gonna have to block you on twitter it's the most annoying thing on social you know that's just a joke right it it is grating on me and every time i pull up your twitter profile so can we get a unpin and and a delete please it's a it's a parody of you know, news promos. Okay. <laughs> They're so Let's bad. See. Let's click on this button. Block at Dave Fox. You're block me. Perfect. Okay. Um, all right. Let's move on. Let's move over now. You know, here, I want to ask you about this, Dave. Um, you know, of course, college football is very important uh, in our market and in, in the sporting ecosystem of Salt Lake and the surrounding areas. And college athletics right now, and for quite some time, quite frankly, has been in a perilous spot. And so news comes out today that the Big Ten – and the SEC have formulated a senior advisory board, but just those two conferences. That's bad news. Uh, that's bad news if you're not in the Big Ten or the SEC. Yeah. Now, it's not breaking news to say that, of course, those two conferences are in a better spot than any of their peers, but now we've got Utah, Brigham Young, Big 12 bound, obviously Utah State and the Mountain West. What does this signal to you? that the Big Ten and the SEC have decided to form their own senior advisory board? Well, first of all, it can't surprise anybody. We, we knew this was all headed that direction. You know, the next thing that's going to happen is they're going to be leaving the NCAA, just becoming their own entity. And, again, no one can be surprised about this. this, this we know where it's headed to a, a very, you know, strong group. And, boy – is that group strong? The thing you got to figure out if you're the Big 12 or the ACC, or you've got to figure out how to stay relevant, stay involved in these things. And I, I can't even imagine, think of where college athletics, let's stick with the football, was even two years ago, you know, or three years ago. How much has changed in just that? Three years ago, we had no idea that the Pac 12, one of the longest running conferences in the nation, would crumble. And here we are. So where do you think it's going to be in another three years? I mean, I, we won't even recognize it again. But those two are in a great spot, and it's up to the rest to figure out a way to try to stay relevant and be a part of it. 
And I don't know how they're going to do that. I guess strength in numbers. Maybe the, uh, you know, the Big 12 needs to get together with the also-rans and try to do the same type of thing. But what a powerful group, the SEC and, and the Big 10. You can't even really touch them right now. It doesn't shock me at all. It is uh, trade deadline week in pro basketball, and so with that brings a lot of energy, brings a lot of ang- <clears throat> excuse me, brings a lot of anxiety. You know, uh, it's always struck me as somewhat odd that you know you can have a profession where you wake up on Wednesday and you get an email. It's like, hey, you live in Milwaukee now, uh, yeah, but they also get paid millions of dollars, as Don Draper said. You know, that's what the money's for, and ultimately, these are humans that have real emotions and families. Like, there's a lot of weight around NBA teams this time of year, we've got two reported rumors. And I hate that this is the business now, but you have to talk about the rumors and the reports, even though I have no way of corroborating whether or not these are actually real things. We have Jake Fisher on one side. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Reporting that the Jazz have made a serious inquiry for DeJounte Murray. Uh, People on the ground here disputing that. And then Bobby Marks' trade idea of Jordan Clarkson uh, going to New York in exchange for Evan Fournier's deal and a first-round pick. So on one side, DeJounte uh, signals intent to add two. On the other side, the Clarkson trade uh, signals let's continue adding assets and getting picks and, you know, uh, maybe bit pieces and salary relief. Which direction, Dave, do you think is more likely? Well, first of all, let me just say, I was listening to, you had Zach Harper on, right? Correct. Before me. Mm -hmm. And he was making the comment that it's frustrating because you hear all this stuff and you don't really, there's no basis for it. There's no fact behind it, but you kind of have to talk about it because because it's out there. But you have to be careful because you don't know what's actually going to hit. If you were to ask me which uh, you know, formula I prefer. I think it's still the collecting the assets, trading Clarkson kind of thing. But, you know, I was thinking on my way up today, how many trade deadlines in my career I've lived through and how underwhelming the vast majority of them have been year after year. And every year, same thing happens, by the way. We get these massive pile of rumors. And then a lot of times, and more often than not, it ends up being somewhat you know, I guess you could say disappointing if you were looking for a trade. But circling back to what you're asking me, I, w- I like the the idea of, and again, this is just rumor, there's no fact on it, but the, the Jordan for assets thing. I just, I think they're still in that mode myself. That's my opinion. I think Murray keeps them in a 500 mode, which is not really where they want to go. 
And who knows, Spence, by Thursday night, there may be another play. I mean, we're, we've heard rumors about Olenek. We, we, we've, you know, heard rumors about Colin Sexton. You, you never know which way this is going to go. But to circle about what you were asking, I prefer the building more assets thing if it were up to me, and it's not. So I asked you about uh, Utah State because you're calling the game tonight. You can check it out on KJazz. Dave will be on the call. Who's along? Who's alongside K- you? KMYU. KMYU. Excuse KMYU. me. KMYU. KJazz is, is is the Jazz. We're actually going head to head with the Jazz tonight. Oh, that's right. So uh, enjoy your three uh, li- three viewers. Just kidding. Who's uh, who's on the call with you? <laughs> <laughs> My broadcast partner is Gary Wilk. It's a great player. Nice. For uh, played for Stu. Um, in fact, he was the conference player of the year his last year in 2009, and very smart guy, knows a lot about uh, the team and what they're running and things like that. We actually, it's funny you should bring that up because last Tuesday, I don't remember who the Jazz were playing, but we were here in that San Jose State game, and it was the highest-rated game we'd had all season. And, and quite frankly, we get overnight ratings. The numbers almost <laughs> shocked me. And you know the you or the, excuse me the uh, Aggies have been playing so well they came off that big Boise State overtime win and it was it was it drew really really well I was quite impressed but you know we'll see what happens the Jazz just came off a really nice win themselves over your buddy Doc so I'm sure a lot of people are gonna tune in there but you know what do the Spence thing you know put a little effort into your life and get two TVs and watch them both. Dave Fox with some life motivation on a Tuesday. I love it. Yeah, there's a way to do both. I'll be watching both. But I also wanted to kick the tires on the other two schools. Of course, uh, uh, we're the home of the Utes. So Utah, as of right now, the bracketology has them as the eight seed, playing out of the south region in Dallas. They would be playing Boise State, according to Lenardi. Of course, there's plenty of basketball left between now and then. But, you know, Craig has made inroads, and they do look different, and they are improved, and they're better, and Davon gives them a player like they haven't had probably since DeLon. That's the name I keep coming back to. Booth really wasn't that guy. Uh, he's dynamic with the ball in his hand. He, You know what stunned me, Dave? I was watching the Colorado game, and Guy Haberman, who came into studio on Friday, referenced as Davon was getting closer to a triple-double, that Davon almost became the first Ute in the history of the program to have two tri- triple doubles in the same year. And when you think of Andre Miller and Van Horn and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we could go back McGill, like there are some legendary basketball players that have played at the U and Davon nearly became the first to get a triple double twice in the same year. So what do you make of where we find ourselves with Craig's project, rebuilding Utah basketball? I heard that segment as a matter of fact, cause I listened to you every single day and I was you? shocked as you were. Um, but, I, w- I still worry about the same thing we all do. They just seem to be Jekyll and Hyde, home and road. I don't know what we make of the Pac-12 tournament. It's not a home game, but it's not really a road game, and I think they're going to have to have a decent showing down there. I think, obviously, and you agree with this, the big test is going to be Arizona, Arizona here. That's a, the only ranked team in the Pac-12 in the top 25, really good team. Um, I you know, the the Arizona State loss was a mystery to me, even though now we know they don't play well on the road. The Utes don't. So I feel like they're going to get them. But let's see what happens in that Arizona game. If they keep that home streak going and prove they can beat a team that quality, I don't care where it is, but you've got to beat, win it at home, then maybe we can look at a little farther ahead, uh, probably look at that Pac-12 tournament and figure maybe the Utes can go down and win a couple of games and see how it works out at that point. But that's a big one. We'll see what happens with that one. All right, about uh, 40 miles south of here. Well, BYU's on the road tonight. They're taking on Oklahoma. It's Big 12 play. 
Uh, by the way, uh, it's ESPN Plus. They have the Big 12 yeah. stuff. Oh. Uh, so, you know, if, if you don't have the app, you can't stream it. Or, excuse me, you can't watch it. You have to stream it. That's going to be a 6 o'clock Mountain Time tip. And I'll say this, Dave, um, tremendously impressed with how Brigham Young looks like they belong in the Big 12. And you're going to win some games. You're going to lose some games to every single team pretty much up and down. You know, uh, ultimately, that's just kind of the deal. And, you know, they have been in pretty much every single game, and they got one against West Virginia. Now, West Virginia is not one of the better teams, but in that gym, West Virginia had beaten Texas and Kansas, and I think they just beat Cincinnati, too. So Brigham Young, yeah, uh, 500 in Big 12 play, 4-4. Four and four. They're also in the top 25. And, you know, they get the Foos Traore kid back. He is everything to them. He's their main interior post presence, and he is a beast. Uh, right now, Lenardi has them as the sixth seed playing in the West region. Uh, they would be playing in uh, Pittsburgh, actually. Uh, they were, uh, co- according to Lenardi, potentially going to play here when the NCAA tournament is here. So yeah, same question. Up. What do you make about what Mark has been able to do year one in the Big 12? At one point, I saw Lenardi have BYU and Utah State at the Delta Center. So but we'll see where that goes. I agree with you. Well, first of all, his start was phenomenal. And then everyone thought, well, once he gets into the Big 12, the bottom will fall out. But, excuse me, the, the, yeah, the Big 12. But, but we have since learned that, as you just said, people like to use that phrase cannibalize. And that's a little bit like what's going on in the Big 12. And to your point, you look at a team like West Virginia. No, they're not a great team, but they have some really impressive wins at home. But that was interesting. Kelvin Sampson made a comment after that BYU game against Houston. Remember, they hosted them last week. It was in the Marriott Center. And He made the comment that there are so many buildings in this league where it's difficult to play. He talked about Texas A&M, and he talked about Oklahoma and his own building. And and then at the end of the comment, he said, but I'm telling you right now, this this building right here where BYU is playing, and these fans are as good as any in our league. And that really helps them, of course. Now, they didn't beat Houston that night, but you pointed out they're very competitive. And, you know, things could be a lot worse. There's a, lot, there's a couple teams that are, you know, cellar dwellers that are not going to go very far. The Big Ten's going to have a lot. Big 12's going to have a lot of people, a lot of teams in that NCAA tournament. And BYU, we know, is going to, well, we, we assume is going to be one of them, short of the bottom falling out. But it won't because they're playing so well. I think Mark's done a great job. And you're right. Uh, we, you, when you're healthy and everyone's healthy, it's a whole different look, isn't it? It's the same way with Utah. You know, they get everyone back, and you just look so much better, and, and it's it's going on with BYU as well. And I, I think it's the cool thing here, and I think you touched on this yesterday, the day before. There's a very good possibility, I'd say a really good chance, we're going to have all three of our, you know, the major teams, Utah State, no slight to Weber and UVU. And uh, too, late. Job, too late. Too late. That's unfortunate. Yeah, sorry. The big three. What do we call them? Because in football, we call them the FC, FBS versus FC, but whatever. Utah, Utah State and BYU all in uh, the NCAA tournament. We know that for Southern Utah or Weber or UVU, you have to win your conference tournament to get in. And you never know. Sometimes those things happen. But I'm talking about three teams in the NCAA tournament, and none of them may win their conference tournament. Just a quick PSA so everybody in our state understands the official stance of the drive. We support all of our teams in state. We are yep, not elitists. We don't talk about only the major teams. We cover everybody. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so exactly. You know, I just wanted to speak for the show. You spoke for you. I'll, sp- I'll speak for me. All right, Dave. No, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, I, it's Super Bowl week. Uh, it is Super Bowl week. Yeah. I learned a lesson on your television program last night that when you say Taylor Swift's name and it goes on the Internet, you get a lot of people oh, that my. react to it. So yeah. uh, I gave you my pick for the game on the show last night. Uh, who do you have winning the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday? You did give me your pick, and I'm going to actually ride with you. I, don't, I know I probably shouldn't, you know, p- pick against the Chiefs at your own peril because they are really, really good. But I just – I'm going to go with San Francisco. I love their defense. They've got so many you – know, Fred Warner's obviously a great defensive player. I just like that, that team to win. And I don't really know – I don't have – you're a Jets guy. I'm a Cowboys guy. We don't have a dog in this fight. I'm just going to enjoy the game, Um, but if I had to make a pick, I'd go with the Niners. All right, buddy. Since our time was so short last night, I thought I'd give you, you know, 20 or 30 seconds to elaborate on your thoughts with what RSL decided to do with Jasper Lafelson. You know, the the thing is, let me just say this. What Ted Lasso has done with Richmond, I think is phenomenal. And if they can kind of follow that program, you know, you get relegated, you get everybody together, you coach them up, and suddenly you're right back in, in the top league. That's, that's, what I'm, that's what I aspire to do. AFC Richmond should be a model for all teams, there's, and I think that they're doing a great job. There's no relegation in MLS, Dave. Oh, I, th- I thought you were talking about worldwide soccer. Mm-hmm. All right, pal. Uh, appreciate the time. Good stuff as always. Have a great call tonight. I'll be watching, man. Good luck. You're the man. Thanks, man. Dave Fox, KUTV. I was on TV with Dave last night. Do a couple of different shows over there. Uh, one is Talking Jazz, rotating cast with my man David Locke and Alema Harrington. And then, then I do a five questions with Spence Hit. It's streaming online at KUTV.com. All right, three hours down, one hour to go. Coming up next, we'll get back to some NFL. Zach Harper rolls by for some NBA. We'll say goodnight at 6 right here on ESPN 700. All right, wrapping it up the show for a Tuesday. Uh, big night tonight in uh, basketball. We've got some great hoops. We have OKC in town at the Delta Center for a 7 o'clock tip, taking on the Jazz. OKC is a 3.5-point favorite. Uh, no injury news as of note, but it is the NBA, so a guy could just decide that he doesn't feel like playing basketball, and then that's kind of how it goes. Unfortunately, that's the reality of pro basketball right now. So, uh, some jazz hoops if you're looking for something to do. Uh, as Dave Fox mentioned earlier, we got a little Utah State action tonight. Uh, Ochai Obaji is actually out tonight for the Jazz, and no one really of note. Uh, Case and Wallace is a game-time decision for OKC, but all of their big dogs are playing, and it's a good team. Uh, BYU is also in action coming up in just a few minutes. They are at Oklahoma uh, as they continue their Big 12 adventure. Uh, so some fun NBA basketball tonight. Turner has the coverage for you. Uh, the Knicks are in action at the Garden against the Grizzlies. And then you've got Mavericks, Nets on Turner, and then the late-night game will be the Bucks and the Suns at Footprint Center in Phoenix. So it uh, should be a fun night of basketball. Of course, Super Bowl week rolls along. Not a lot of news out of Vegas. I uh, figured we hear something because, you know, it is Vegas, and the NFL has descended uh, on the city. We had the first media availability last night. Uh, so there you go. All right, Porter, really strange non-sequitur question for you. Are you ready? Um, you never are, but I'm asking you anyway. Hmm. When is the last time you attempted to dive into a swimming pool off a diving board? Off a diving board? Um, I actually, I I do know when this is because my sister's in-laws have a pool with a diving board. Lovely. And I was there for her birthday 
in October. That was the last time I jumped off a diving board. Did you execute a dive? Did you execute a proper dive with proper form? Mm, I, I don't know that I'm I'm really a diver, you know? Mm. Uh, probably not. Like you, I very much am not a diver. Uh, at one point, it was something that I could do, right? I could dive into a swimming pool off a diving board, and, you know, I'm not trying out for the Olympics. But a couple summers ago, we were at uh, a friend's house, and he has a pool, and unbeknownst to me, uh, I, I, I said, you know, I'm going to go I'm gonna go dive. I'm going to go show off a little bit. We had a big group, like, we go. you know, feeling good. I'm, I'm going to go dive. And I remember thinking, like, you have not tried to dive into a swimming pool off a diving board in probably 20 years. No joke. Uh, if I go to a pool, I'm just hanging out, you know, getting some sun. And so in my head, I'd have that thought. But I'm like, dude, you're, you're athletic. You're an athlete. You can dive off a diving board. So stop, you know, stop overthinking it and go dive. And it didn't go well. And what I just found out about an hour ago is my friend was taking a video of it. Oh. And he just sent it to the whole thread. It's a bad look, man. It's really bad. Because in my head, I'm like, I'm, you're the same athlete you were when you, when you were 18. And the body's like, you're 43, bro. So here, here we go. It hurts. Uh, there was not a, the, the whole body basically landed into the water at once. So I'm just curious as to whether or not you tried to execute a dive as of late and how that went. Yeah, no, no. I'm not a diver. Never was a diver. I'm sure when I do uh, you know, attempt to, it doesn't look great. But I, I'm not there yet as far as like you know, losing the, the ability there. But similarly, I try to every year just to see where I'm at. I try to go dunk a basketball. I, this, right now, as of right now, I haven't done it since my bike crash. In the summer, mm-hmm. I haven't dunked. I don't know if I can do it. I would feel bad for you, but I'm someone who always dreamed of just doing that once in a game, <laughs> and only got to the point where I could grab the rim and never was able to palm a ball, so I couldn't dunk. Forward me that video. I will not. No, you will do something with it. I don't want anything to. I, I will allow you to watch it. Mm. You're gonna do uh, this. This can't. <laughs> this cannot be shared with the masses. I didn't realize that anybody had it. Now all my friends have it. Too. I just want to see it. I just want to see it. I'll send it over. Um, all right. Well, that'll do it. We'll get out of here. Um, special thank you today. Well, actually, no. We should tease the show because that's what we do before we say goodnight. We can do that. What's coming up? Porter on a Wednesday show. High dive specialist uh, di- jo- joining the show tomorrow. Just kidding. Love um, it. Would love it. Solomon Wilcox. I don't know if, if he is. He's a, he's, a, he's a pretty good expert on football. Yes, though, sir. Of course, of the college and the pro rank. Solomon Wilcox joins us. Ben Solak joins the program he uh he couldn't last week i'll tell you why uh as we as we hang up spence and then uh pff brad uh brad spielberger will join the program as he does each and every week interesting conversation you had earlier today with the the analytics stuff um so we're, we're diving into that on super bowl week and then we'll finish it off right ahead of the trade deadline of course on a thursday we'll finish off the show on a Wednesday with Richard Smitty Smith. Excellent. Is Fox going to fire Greg Olson because Tom Brady's already signed his contract? Mm, that would I, suck. It would because Greg's good. He's now, best, yeah. of course, you go with Tom, whatever. Well, I'm the wrong guy to ask about that, but yes. Because you think he's a goob. He is a goob. He is a goob. That's undeniable. I've said this for years. You can tell me he's awesome. You can't tell me he's cool. He's a goob. You can't. He's a goob. I don't think he's that cool. But what he did on the field, you know, you give him a shot in the booth. Uh, I don't think you fire Greg Olson, though, because he's, he's actually good at that job, not just playing football. He's excellent. All right, that'll do it. Special thanks today. Matt Caller, 
Eric Walden, Zach Harper, and Dave Fox. For any of the sound that you may have missed, you can go to our website, which is ESPN700sports.com. Download our mobile app. Take us on the go. That's how I listen to our radio station. And then finally, for what we do in our space, four hours every afternoon. It's available online for your digital consumption on your time via our podcast page, which is called The Drive with Spence Jackets, and that's available wherever you get shows. He's Porter. I'm Spence. Say goodnight. Enjoy your Tuesday evening. Talk to you on a Wednesday drive. And as always, you can find it right here on ESPN 700. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.